I want to have Tim Pool's babies. Welcome to episode 88 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, August 21st, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the mayor loves protesters as long as they don't go, you know, by her house. And from America's left coast, where Bill Gates proves that autism can cause vaccines. I'm Ryan Bemrose. And a very special guest today from the East Coast. So I guess this we have nationwide coverage today. Because he's back again. Last time was yeah, it was like what about a year ago? Progo, Brendan uh, Kidwell, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so here mm-hmm. I am in New York City with I'm I've got crows and uh, <laughs> sirens in the background. Immediately, and oh I got my, my finger over the mute button. Oh my god! Immediately, we have sirens was, in the background. Can, yeah, can you go out and, and thank those emergency responders for their amazing timing? And are you okay? Are you, is this a war zone? What I, is New York City like right now? Uh. It's pretty quiet. I, I'm actually I moved to Jersey City in uh, June, so I, I I say that like it still feels like New York City because it's a it's like because three it's rapid transit city. stops away from New York City. Yeah, because 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 you're still in the same place. It's like when it's it's easy to tell people that I grew up in Portland because I basically did, even though I was on the Washington side of the river, so technically not Portland, but it, it's yeah. still the same city. So I'm not a subject of de Blasio, but I'm in New York City. Ah, so you are a subject of Cuomo. Yep. Well, no, not Cuomo. The other guy. Oh, Um, that's true. I I have a governor. Yeah, that's true. So you're totally out of New York, I guess, which is good. Although Jersey was not doing much better when it came to their uh, COVID response. And it's crazy. Tim Pool has been complaining about our governor saying that our our government is a bloody mess. Uh, I don't pay much attention to it. I've only been here a couple of months. Does that doesn't Tim Pool complain about? <laughs> hey, we need to get him on Grumpy Old Dance. Oh, that, he's that got guy his own goes. <laughs> I want to know why he always so wears the hat. He, he wears the hat. He has a story about that. He was um, he was talking to a friend who's. Uh, am I going to have to like close my windows and fucking bacon here? <laughs> no, I think this is this is adding to the <laughs> authenticity like of the report. It's like you've got your own free ad hoc soundboard. <laughs> I'm, I'm like it, it one makes block a... from a, I'm one block from a firehouse, and like fucking six times a day, they're just like like I don't know what it is with my neighborhood. Everyone keeps hurting themselves. Well, if it's um, only six see, times, like, tell them buildings burning or anything. If it's only six times, tell them to keep going because that's two already on the show. And if we just get them out of the way <laughs> early, we're good. Yeah. Mm. So, so Tim Pool has a story. He was like, he was hanging out with somebody like famous that like, like they knew each other professionally. I, I forget who it was, but um, he said, oh, you're, you're, um, you know, you're, t- you're, you're the guy with the beanie. I, I know you. And then he, he explained who he, Tim Pool explained who he was. And the guy said, you got to keep wearing that beanie. That's your trademark. Everyone knows who you are because of that. That's sad. I mean, come on. Because it, it works. Well, I. I mean, it feels it, like an it's unfashion- like red tie since 10 years ago, an, an unfortunate fashion choice, at least in the summer. But I, I assume he's got air conditioning in his studio. Well, yeah, he's making yeah. that sweet, sweet podcaster money, except he actually has, you know, an audience. Yeah. Yeah. I 
I can make fun of Tim Pool all I want, but the one thing I can't make fun of is his audience. <laughs> hey, hey, he was about I, a year ago. He was making fun of CNN because he had a better audience than them. <laughs> that doesn't take grumpy old Benz has better audience than CNN. That's true. Most likely. Maybe not larger, but definitely better. Definitely better. And uh, this COVID stuff is still uh, nuts. I mean, there's no question about it. My mom had a little bit of an issue and ended up going into the hospital on um, um, Saturday night, going into Sunday. So about you know 4 a.m. or so on Sunday, she went in. And as of this morning, she's feeling better, which is good. She had to get some blood, but she has not yet seen a doctor. Right. Because her COVID test just came back negative this morning. So she went in at 4 a.m. And it's been over 24 hours. Hadn't seen a doctor because they have to clear you on a COVID test first, which I have to think. I mean, her case, you know, it wasn't death or anything happening here. But heaven help if you're in real trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's that's quite concerning that. Well, you know, there's no doctor is going to see you until you're cleared of the COVID. And I mean, I. that's why the best advice for 2020 is don't get sick. Yeah. Because all hospitals have been completely repurposed for this one flu virus. And if you have anything else, go ahead and just die. It, excuse me. It's a coronavirus, not a flu virus. Um, some of the flu viruses have been. And besides, don't don't fuck up my rhetoric with your facts. We don't <laughs> do that here. Hey, I was just going to sit back like, oh, wait, finally, somebody else that's disagreeing with Ryan. I'll just go by. See, OK, go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm out. Should, should I call it the common cold? Does that help my hyperbole any? It's, yeah, it's that works. It's a it's the it's, common it's, cold it's, on steroids. It's it's common cold with a few extra features, <laughs> like Windows. We yeah. just keep adding features nobody really wants. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do. I do have. Speaking of Windows, I do have a section in my notes called "Bill Gates Hates Freedom." He may, he may, but see, I I didn't want to argue with Ryan because I've had a week of arguing. <laughs> there was something in the air. And I can tell you that, I mean, one, after doing, uh, well, this is episode 88. So after doing, well, 87, well, you weren't here for a couple episodes, but after doing 80 something podcasts with Ryan, I'm now primed for any argument that's out there. And I've learned from Ryan with like the copyright thing. It doesn't even matter if you have any facts. You could just go after people. And as long as you stick with what you want to say, you go at it like a bulldog. And I didn't make that up. That's that's how mainstream that's how news mainstream media, media works. Yeah. Oh, there's no question about it. So, I mean, it's become it's become more in my DNA to have those debates with people that will engage. And there was one was a guy and I think he listened to Grumpy Old Ben's. He said he likes the stuff we do. His name was uh, Wiley Saw or something on. I don't know how you, know, you would pronounce it over on Twitter. And he had a picture of somebody that dumped a bunch of stuff in the middle of a forest out where he was and he went through it. There was like some garbage in there and there was personal information of somebody on there. And he took a photo of it and posted it with the guy's name and information saying that the guy was going to be getting a call from the police for dumping the stuff. And maybe the guy did dump the stuff, but I just asked a simple question, which was how do you know who dumped the guy's stuff there? And he was 100% certain, you know, well, I, and to that question, I mean, how do you even know that he didn't just fake the photo? Right. Well, that that is also possible. I, I mean, be skeptical of everything you see online, especially if just some rando is posting it in Facebook that you don't know who they are. Well, he's a no agenda guy. 
So, I mean, oh, okay. right there, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, believability increasing. Yeah. And I believe that the stuff was in the middle of the forest, but I'm like, well, I don't get it. Is it easier to throw your stuff in the middle of a forest than actually throw it in the normal trash or take it to a dump or whatever you would need uh, to around do here? Yes, because the forest is everywhere. Well, you, know, you just throw it right out your back door and it's oh, in yeah, the forest. That, that's in a forest. And then, but, of course, you know, the next time I walk back there, I'm like, oh, right. I put trash here. You know, and it's like he just didn't want to give in any way, shape or form that it was possible that somebody else may have taken the guy's stuff and dumped it in the forest. And because like, of the new normal, I had like uh, two big boxes full of leftover electronic scrap that has to be recycled. And I had to carry that from the old apartment to the new apartment because nothing's open. And I, I, I might be able to go and recycle stuff now. And I, I don't know. But in June, it's like, no, don't even. Just take it with you. That's the only thing you can do. <laughs> or burn well, it. No, when if you're moving, then that solves my problem is that you do just leave it there. Be like, well, this is now <laughs> someone else's problem. Yeah. I'm not going to be a dick like that. You know, and it was weird because there was like a nice little rug. I mean, it didn't look like garbage, which was kind of a weird thing. And I said, well, how do you know one somebody didn't steal it and dump it there? Or he didn't, you know, maybe ask the kid, the neighbor kid to take the stuff to the dump or whatever you need to do in your area to get rid of stuff. And it was just a weird thing to me. And I just wanted to argue that point like, hey, you know, you posted the guy's personal information on the Internet and you you no matter what, you can't be 100 percent certain that he was the guy that dumped the stuff there. And I I agree. You know, and I thought that was just a little bit weird. But that was the one argument. And then yesterday, comic strip blogger, our buddy over on uh, No Agenda Social, we were talking about the No Agenda art. And then he came up with something like, you know, Trump should be in jail. But he always calls him Melania's husband should be in jail for what he's done yeah, I, to the I EU. Follow that guy because he can't say Trump. It's weird. Well, it, <laughs> it's one reason it's I don't not just him. that. I mean, he, he 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 calls grumpy old Ben's a podcast, uh, which, which is funny because <laughs> there are shows that that deserve that moniker on the no agenda stream. But this is not yeah. necessarily one of the I. I mean, a free bit of advice for arguing with random people on the internet that I'll just throw out is uh, it, if you them. use name calling, you are damaging your argument. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's a pretty weak for. In fact, it's not a form of argument. It's just a form of uh, 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 what what's the term they use in M five M lashing out. Um, it, it's it's pretty much if name calling is what you've got, then you don't have an argument. Um, and if you want to be taken seriously, you should probably cut that out. Yeah. Well, that's me with anybody. If you want to talk about anything, well, no, you, it, it's actually okay to call Darren names. Yeah, that's fine. But and I have to speak up about something that's been bothering me that like, I, I'm not like a white nighter social justice warrior, any of that shit, but people keep uh, posting meme pictures and, and innuendo that Kamala Harris is like, she got where she is because of like being on her knees, giving everyone blowjobs. And I'm just like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's that's not an exactly argument. Exactly the guy said last week. Yeah, that's exactly what Ryan said in the last show. And I explained well, to him Kamala's entry into politics, which was having an affair with Willie Brown. So she did get her start by sleeping okay. with Willie Brown. And um, he was married I, at the I, time. And that I, I still think argument from sexism is not a very strong political argument. Well, I agree. But the memes are, yeah. I mean. If you you know the memes are going to come out just because you see what the left has done with memes to Trump, so everything's fair game. This is Nothing. where <laughs> this is where you have a you know I start having an issue. It's like these idiots that will cry that 
that is unfair behavior to Kamala have posted some of the most vile, disgusting things about Trump. And that's been OK. And they don't they don't understand that they're but a part you win, of the problem. You win by standing on the high ground and just attacking people based on their actual record. That would be nice. But when's the last time that's <laughs> yeah, happened? Yeah. What, what, what century are you from? <laughs> I think, yeah, probably the 19th. You know, it's but that is the the norm for the day. And that is where politics has gone, I think, really downhill since the Internet, because it's odd, but people are paying slightly more attention to politics than just worried about, you know, your reality stars or your pop stars or whatever it is. But they're paying attention in a really bad way. They're only listening to talking points. They don't have an understanding. You know, it's kind of like the Green New Deal stuff or the, you know, the climate change where people are spewing things with no basis in reality, but they believe it like a religion, as Ryan points out all the time. And that's what this has turned into. And nothing's ever going to get done until people have a better understanding of the actual issues. And I don't think people are ever going to have a better understanding of the issues. So I think we're doomed. Well, I've made I've made the point before that that some of what you just described can be laid entirely at the foot of, uh, well, the, the modern version is social networks, but you, you said with the rise of the internet, it, it is connecting people to so many others that, that we are now saturated in our ability to, uh, uh, to connect with other people. And one thing that has not changed is the human brain's ability to, or for the, the total number of people that you can connect with. Which means that if you know, if you're in a, a village of 150 people and no outside contact, you connect with those people no matter who they are, and you get to see and know their various opinions and positions. And some of them are old, and some of them are new, and they all have different life experiences. Well, may, maybe if I mean if they're all in the same village, maybe not. But it, it, at least the old ones have been around a while and seen a lot, and then the young ones have. You have fresh new perspectives, but when you get to a social network, you connect and you're like, okay, well, I want a Facebook group with only the uh, transsexual socialists, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter people. Now that and sounds like a party. It might be, and it might even be a political party. I think it is. <laughs> I think it's the one running against the Republicans right now. But uh, the the thing is, once you narrow yourself down to that you can find and saturate your 150 people worth of mental space for people that you actually care about and consider human because like you know like i pointed out before human beings the the human brain can think of maybe uh 100 to 200 people as actual people that you can care about and understand and and even feel about and everyone else necessarily this is is hard-coded by evolution is the other it's people that you cannot care about as humans you cannot think about them as people you, you don't have the brain capacity for it now that's not usually a problem as long as we all stick to rules like uh you know you you abstractly realize that that is a person and therefore you show some minimum level of respect but when we abandon that then then you end up with all kinds of social problems but the problem is that you've got those 150 slots in your brain and when you fill them all with people in your Facebook group who think who are precisely the same demographic, precisely the same age group, precisely the same ideology as you, 
then you legitimately have the excuse of, well, I don't know a single person who disagrees with me and you're never going to encounter uh, an idea that isn't yours. And what do you do when all of those people are fake? Um, does that matter? Well, that Hello? is. Have you seen CNN? Well, that is, you know, that is an interesting thing to look at. As we've talked about on a previous Grumpy Old Ben's when I ran a community for a country artist way back when, you know, nine, ten years ago, we had a bulletin board as you did then. That was the social media of the day. And there was a member who had been around for a little while, then claimed they got cancer. Then somebody posted they had died. And it turned out it was all a hoax. The lady made the whole thing up and, you know, was asking for. You know, there were no GoFundMe pages or anything like that at the time, but gave an address and people were sending gifts and whatever to help out. And it turned out that whole thing was a scam. And this is the problem looking even when you go to Twitter, doesn't matter what social media you don't know that what you're reading is an accurate representation of an actual person. And And there's a whole issue that people have been talking about with broadcasters that uh, broadcasters and um. What's the what do you call the class of people who broadcast on a a video streaming platform and people tip them whether they're doing sex things or just like eating on camera or whatever? Um, <laughs> what do you call that? <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Um, entertainers, entertainers. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's the same. Okay, thing. yeah. Uh, but, but there busters. is people that like that sometimes their audience gets like really into it and they feel like they have a two-way relationship and they don't. And uh, I was wondering, how does that like, did, if, if you this, know that you have a one-way relationship, like I watched Tim pool, even though like, I, I, I think he's sometimes a really bad presenter. I can't stop watching him. Uh, not every day. If I watched all of his videos. I would probably this, be. Have, have you seen a psychologist about this? <laughs> does, does Tim pool who, who doesn't even know who I am, does he take up one of those 150 slots in your mind? Yes. Uh, if, if you have, if you have dedicated enough mental resources to get to know somebody in a, you know, such that you can like it, it's a pretty easy mental test. Do when you think about somebody, can you, can you consider their feelings? Do you want, do you have a pretty good idea of how they're going to react? If you say something uh, based on past history, if, if you've got that mental model of a I would particular say yes, person, except that I, I also assume he's a TV clown. I, I don't think he would be. Well, and maybe that's it. Talking to him in person. And, and obviously it's not, I mean, it's not like the, you've, you've allocated an array with a set number of slots. It's just how much mental power do, do you have? And can you dedicate it to it? No, you know, not everybody is going to be fully fleshed out, but, but like, uh, it, if, if you dedicate enough, for example, enough uh, not, uh, mental space to Donald Trump to know and care, you know what he's going to say at a press conference because you've de- you know because you've listened to him enough, he might be one of your slots, but you don't know. And you know that that whole online presence where it's it's entirely one way, where you get to know Tim Pool really well and his thoughts and feelings and likes and. And you've got, you know, all of his kinked cataloged. Uh, I, I don't know what your level of dedication is, but I'm just going out of a limb here. But he doesn't care about you. I mean, you want online stalkers. That's how you get online stalkers. Yeah. Well, there, that- there's there's problems. Of th- some of the some of the entertainers have online stalkers and they also have people who are like the entertainer is profiting from the person. 
but the audience member is just like in this weird re- alternate reality of their yeah. own where the entertainer cares about them, but they they're yeah. they only know their name on the screen. That's all they know. Well, it, it's and and the the persona that appears on the screen is is exactly the person that the the viewer is is investing in uh, you know the, i i don't imagine that tim pool puts every aspect of his life out on the screen he creates a a persona that he yeah. puts forth on the screen and that's the the person that people are getting to know and it's it's a very asymmetric relationship because in one direction the relationship is uh, you know, I, I want to have Tim Pool's babies. And on the other one, it's like, yeah, I'm totally milking you for money. Oh, wait, that's an ISO I need to pull. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the cold. That's the cold opener right there. I don't think there's any question yeah. about it. Yeah. And then and then here, I'll give you a I'll give you a clip that you can put right after it for lunch. <laughs> that is more the Bemrose way. But I mean, it is. I mean, that that's always been around this kind of a concept with celebrities long before the internet i mean elvis you know the beatles they had the big fan clubs with thousands of people that you know signed up and all the girls that would go to the concerts and you know going back to sinatra you know even and i'm sure even before that they had that kind of a concept but the internet makes it a little bit weirder because i'm sure you've all seen like you you can you can be on the other side of the world and you can tip tim pool during his live broadcast and he will respond to your message and that's a connection Yes, that is the, which I was just going to say, we've all seen any celebrity on any of the social media that they'll post something. And the first people to respond are usually ones just doing things like, hey, say hi Not- to me. I'm here. You know, acknowledge me. I'm your biggest fan. You know, that kind of a thing. Looking for any kind of a response every now and then you get somebody on one of the social medias like, oh, it's my birthday. The only thing I want is a retweet from whoever. You know, it's a it's a weird thing trying to get you spend too much time on Twitter. No, I don't. I've seen that for years. You don't have to spend a lot of time to see it. You can see it. It's all over. It won't take a lot of time to figure it out. But it's that concept that people want to have that interaction with the celebrity. And it can get dangerous. There's no question about it. If you don't realize that it's a one way street and if you don't realize, you know, the reality again of what's going on is that. The people you're talking, I mean, how many people get scammed because somebody impersonates somebody else on the Internet? I see it all the time from the guy lives right down the street from me here was the 1983 rookie of the year in the American League, Ron Kittle. And he every you know, it seems like every month or two, he's telling people, I don't have this account. I don't have that account. There's people setting up accounts as very low level. I mean, it's not like they're just trying to impersonate Taylor Swift or Donald Trump. In order to try to scam people out of their money, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre world wow. on the internet. I didn't know that yeah, existed. They, people that like in another state, you'd never heard of them. I, what, people you've never heard of is that what you didn't know existed? For for people that you've never heard of, I didn't know that there were other people stealing those identities to play con games with it. I, oh, I guess yeah. I oh, should yeah. assume it's happening, but I, I, I had people. I mean, people create fake social media accounts for celebrities all the time. I think that, that Darren said that there was a, a Bemrose account on Twitter now. Briefly until it was <laughs> until it was banned almost immediately. And nobody reached out to tell me what <laughs> happened, how they got banned. I know it had to be somebody that listens to the show. So 
They probably just want to remain anonymous. It was probably Fletcher or somebody that would do something nefarious like that. It seems like a hog story thing to do. It would have been a better Devil bit, though. Or somebody did a good cartoon in the last couple of weeks of like or, or made a point of like, you're not a you're not a real conservative until you've been on Twitter and got banned. It seems that to was be the a, case. that was a Babylon B article. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually spot on. There's more reality oh, yeah. in the Babylon B than there is on Babylon CNN. B has yeah. Been filling it the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, the, the last last few years. <laughs> About the time that <laughs> Onion stepped down and decided to go full woke, Babylon B yeah, has they, just they been nailing it. They just lost their direction completely. Earl Walkman mentions he was banned for for calling uh, Alyssa Milano the C word, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> and right yes yes well well f- facts and truth don't have any space on twitter we know that we stand behind earl finley jay finley baron walkman now earl walkman so many names so many names but this this concept with the internet and people that even the ones now that are on youtube and all that it is a very weird thing because i think people especially now with all the covid lockdowns and stuff aren't getting out as much, aren't seeing as many people. So this is what is replacing, you know, what they're considering as friends. This is what's replacing, you know, human interaction. And you're putting a lot of faith in these people that you don't know. And it's, yeah. it's not always true. And you have to be, you have to accept that just uh, it, there, there isn't any aspect of life where, where uh, blind obedience and, and blind acceptance of what you're being presented is is particularly a a beneficial evolutionary trait. Skepticism is is a good idea for a reason. Uh, it, it, well, like like your story that you you've told this on Grumpy Old Ben's before, but your story about the the person who had cancer, except that she didn't was making it up for for uh, attention. sympathy, yeah, attention, yeah, and uh, you know stories like that and and uh, oatmeal raisin cookies are why I have trust issues. What happened with oatmeal raisin cookies? Well, you just the raisins like look like chocolate chip. Oh, so you, you feel like there was a bait and switch going on. Yeah, there, there's definitely some violation of trust going. Anytime anybody bakes raisins into a cookie, there's a violation of trust. You know, but it, 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 I'm sure it's weird to be a celebrity. I've just started listening to, I don't know if either of you have watched the series Scrubs, which I thought was a fantastic series. Aired about what? I've seen probably most of it. Yeah, about 20 years ago or so, maybe a little less, maybe uh, I'm not good with time, but the the two main characters, J.D. and Turk, played by Zach Braff and Daniel Donald Faison, they're doing a podcast, which is called uh, Real Friends, Fake Doctors or something like that. And Donald Faison talked about that. He's like, you know, I was in a Starbucks one day and a guy just comes up. He's like, hey, Donald, what's going on? And he's like looking at him like do i know this guy but he's like yeah no just a big fan but they approach like they know you and it's it's a weird thing i'm sure if that happened to people every day that's a little uh you know it would get a little that, concerned that's, that's to me all the time some celebrities to get really standoffish too because like it they're 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 thrown into awkwardness all the time by things like that and they just start like either they develop a a positive defense mechanism and they just like they're bubbly with everyone or they just glare at you. Right. Right. If, if I may make a recommendation for the celebrities, the first thing you need to do if you want to reduce the awkwardness in your life is get the fuck out of California. Well, there are celebrities <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, but but you, they New don't. Yorkers tend to be laid back about celebrities. I, I've I've seen it and I've heard it. Like 
you know, you see yeah. like uh, David Letterman walking on the street or walk into a deli and like, oh, that, that's David Letterman. Cool. I'll just keep on shopping for whatever I was going for. And how, how many times have you bumped into Donald Trump on the street and been like, sup? <laughs> I haven't seen him. I don't think he walks on the streets. Only the ones paved in gold. But he did threaten oh, to walk down oh. like Fifth Avenue and shoot someone. Ooh. Well, see, that's why uh, people like him. No. It, it, okay. To be clear, uh, just, just to clear out some of the fake news, the actual quote was, I could walk down, shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. And actually, I don't remember the quote. But he, he wasn't saying that it wasn't a threat. He wasn't saying he was going to that. That was definitely spun. He was saying that if he did, there were people who would vote for him anyway. Yes. But see, I was being hyperbolic and I thought the whole audience knew what we were talking about. <laughs> this I, is where I, 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 I try not to assume that about the Internet anymore. <laughs> see, this is where the, you know, the trust issues come in. Because people don't know. And it's hard. To, I mean, even in strictly audio, I mean, even sometimes in person, it's hard to pick up on sarcasm or jokes, which is how we got into this new woke world where words are bad and we have to limit what people can say because, you know, then we don't want anybody to be offended. That's the bottom line now, which I don't know how you go into that concept knowing that. I don't know, but I'm offended by that. Yes, that's the problem. Anybody can be offended by anything. So your concept that you can keep people from being offended, never going to work. But this, you know, the Internet relationship thing, I think it's different. Kevin Smith talked about this a little bit, too. The the podcast is interesting, maybe even more so than YouTube, because people are used to watching television and not really believing like, hey, that's my buddy on TV. The podcasts are a lot more intimate because a lot of times people are wearing, you know, the headphones and they're listening to your voice and they, they there is a bond that is made. But that's creepy. It is. People are listening to us right now and you don't know what they're thinking, what they're doing. But I, I know what they should be thinking. It's what I'm saying. No, nobody should be thinking about that. It's a uh, it's a scary thing to get into the mind of Ryan Bemrose, but it's an interesting medium. And as long as you have a small enough audience, as we do, I mean, we know a lot of the people that listen to our show. We interact with them. Now, once you're Joe Rogan. And I think that's the best kind of radio. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'd like 30 million listeners, but. I I think I just figured out why you you say the things you do on this show. It's because you want to make sure that our audience stays small. Right, right. This is the (laughs) one way to do it. We want to limit the size. So we can have a concentrated, you know, it's like making some of the best sauce, you know, in Italian, you, you got to just keep letting it simmer. You got to keep getting it stronger. The, you know, the bad stuff evaporates off. The good stuff just keeps getting to a stronger flavor. And the end result is podcasting magic. That's what we've got here on Grumpy Old Ben's. And we thank everybody who has been listening. So what, what you're saying is that Grumpy Old Ben's is a fermented podcast. Is that? Well, not I'm not fermented, sure what, but I mean, that would we could okay. do that because that would be the we could I mean, that, put that on the about page I said I was going to make for you. Yeah, I mean, that would be oh, similar yeah. in, you know, fermenting would be similar in alcohol to what I was talking about in cooking is, you know, making those flavors stronger. Yeah. But uh, so your 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 comment about, uh, you know, people choosing to get offended and not is is one one thing that I've, I've talked about before, but I I, I can't ever say this enough. Uh, because so many people do not understand or just choose to forget 
an interesting characteristic of spoken language is that the choice of what words to use is the agency of the speaker. The, the speaker gets to decide what words will be used in the communication. But, and, and this goes back to, to, to com- like mathematical code theory. It's, it's something that I came from, from programming. Uh, the interpretation, what those words mean, the agency is entirely on the listener. If I say, uh, hey, Darren, go fuck yourself, you can decide whether that means, uh, you know, hey, gentle ribbing, ha ha ha, we're just making a joke, or if that means that I really hate you, or if that means that I think that you should perform auto fellatio. And it, I, I can, I can mean one of those things specifically, and I can choose my words to try to hint and, and push toward a particular meaning. But ultimately, the decision of what message is communicated is you are taking the words that you received and choosing what what interpretation to put to them. And that is why it is so dangerous for some, you know, for the the concept of hate speech, because I can say a word, but I don't actually have control over whether or not it offends someone because the interpretation, the meaning of those words is entirely the listener's agency. Scott Adams made a good point about this about three or four years ago when when I no maybe it was during the Trump campaign number one. Um, Scott Adams noticed that people were taking quoting him out of context all the time, and he started to enjoy. I thought it was kind of funny, but he he started putting disclaimers on everything, saying that if you take my words or somebody else's words and and you know summarize them, quote them, clip them. And then put them in a different context where nobody knows all the other things that I said before it. That's on you, the propagator. Like if you're so there, there's the speaker, there's the person who forwarded the message, and then there's the listener, and they all have a role in interpreting what the hell was said. And and he was saying that if you forward my message as a clip, then I have no responsibility for it. That's on you. Rightfully so, because taking things out of context, that's all. The mainstream media has turned into with all of these shows that bring multi, you know, usually it's bringing two guests on. You get the split screen with the the host in the middle and two, ho- you know, two guests on either side. And so many times you'll be like, well, Donald Trump said this today. And it's like, what did he mean by that? And they go off for like a half hour on what, you know, a sentence might have. And if you and- listen to the five minutes before he said that, you'll know exactly what he meant. Yes. I mean, that would be too easy, though. <laughs> no, no, that would actually be very hard for. For a lot of these people, yes, it's and like, that what, is- listen to listen to Trump. No, I'm. I have to. I can only take what he said out of context. I can't listen to him because I, my mind might melt. And they might. And they might. Uh, I had a uh, I had a good friend who uh, really crystallized this concept for me. Uh, he's a, a web comic author named Howard Taylor, and that's not name dropping because nobody here knows who that is. Uh, but uh, I, I was chatting with him one day and uh he said something and and i i quoted the the line from alice in wonderland said uh you know when i speak something it means precisely what i mean and nothing else or whatever the the line is and he looked at me and just got really serious and said you know that's completely wrong i mean what do you mean he said he said he said it doesn't mean what you mean 
the definition of words is not what you mean it to. The word definition of words is exactly what the person who hears them understands them to be. The, 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 that's the problem with words is, is you are encoding thoughts into syllables. And then the person on the other end has to decode them. And it, I, I, I only brought up. Can I just Halle say Taylor I refuse he, to decode emojis? Continue. I no, I do. I do. Well, they, they have a meaning. The meaning is not necessarily what was in your mind. In fact, it probably isn't because they're incomprehensible. Uh, I, I, the meaning that I get when I read an emoji is this person chose to use an emoji and therefore uh, credibility has gone down and I don't need to take them as seriously. Pretty much. But uh, Mike, uh, okay, my real problem with emojis is the fact that every fucking thing like they display an emoji is approximately one or two characters in height and that is not enough pixels to figure out what the hell the emoji worked and most places that emojis are displayed you don't even get a tool tip like you can't hover over it to see what the fuck <laughs> they said so you're like okay so there's some incomprehensible glyph here that this is why we use more than one letter to form words use your words anyway well let's not even just use your words have if you've followed any kind of text communication over the last 10 years you've realized that the english language has been brutally murdered and has been left for dead somewhere because i haven't seen it in a long time with yeah but darren i could go back into the 19th century and find that exact same quote what you just said probably but is it it getting better or is it getting worse well it's It's just getting different every decade it's getting different i mean you can say uh, although, that, but do you believe, I mean, really, if we're going to look at the ability for people to communicate with one another. Oh, yeah. I will bitch and moan well, about I, people I, being unclear. I, 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 I'm yeah. one of those people, but I also know that, that we, the, the people who think like us have been bitching about this problem for hundreds of years. You mean the smart people who know how to put a f- <laughs> couple sentences together? I didn't say That's I was one smart. interpretation. We, I, we'll say I'll, it for say you, it. Progo. You are smart. Yeah, Progo is smart. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know how to take I, a compliment. Come on. I do want to, I do <laughs> want to attack a straw man for a moment though. And that is the people who, who say, you know, will, will communicate badly and then say, well, language is evolving and you just need to evolve with it. And these, yeah, this, this particular straw man does not understand the concept of evolution. Evolution is generational. Evolution does not happen by forcing people to change. Uh, what the way evolution works is that new people are being created or new, new uh, constantly and a a new person and usually through some kind of error or, or mistake, uh, creates, uh, and ends up encountering a new trait or in the case of language has a new idiom or, or something like that. The new ones are forming all the time. It's, it's part of just complete random chaos theory. and new people ingrain different language forms. And then the old people who don't understand those language forms eventually die. And that is in fact, how language evolves, but it does not happen in a matter of days, months, or years. It happens in generations. And so the people who go out and say, well, you're just not understanding what I'm saying because language is evolving. And now racism just means white. No, that that's not evolution of language. That is you are redefining words in order to communicate badly. Here's the other thing. Every single time that there is a a change in the language, which eventually will become the new language through evolution, 
until it has become the new language by the attrition of all of the older members and all the new members use it, what you have is an error in communication. You are, and when you intentionally propagate errors in communication for the purpose of changing how you communicate, you are communicating badly. That's Brian. You're, you're I have to not call communicating you effectively. Your, your, you are gatekeeping. And you yes. have not read the gospel of the singularity, according to, um, uh, I can't remember their names. Vint Cerf is one of them. And they, they talk about how, like, we're going to be, we're going to all become cybernetic transhumans. And, and because of the internet, we can communicate so much faster. And evolution of everything, evolution of thought, evolution of technology is on a accelerating pace, going faster and faster. So that you're going to wake up one day and it's going to be like not even the same world as it was three days ago. And so, so no, uh, I, I haven't. I, I haven't read this. I haven't read this novel. Gatekeeping. Are you gatekeeping me? You're, you're <laughs> gatekeeping me. You're telling me that not having read this novel means that I can't have my opinion. Is that is that how this works? Huh? Huh? It's a bunch of essays, and I, also I, 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 I don't really yeah. care if any of us is gatekeeping. I understand. No, I'm, I'm giving you shit. <laughs> of course. But was I? I. I that uh, the the idea though of the singularity the you know in order to transcend verbal communication we're going to have to have something that that replaces it and and visual communication is another one that is natural and people know how to do but the the concept of the singularity seems to presuppose some kind of new technology which allows a higher data throughput than than words between brain and computer and I tell you what, when Google telepathy comes out, I am not going to be on their beta list. Yes, you will. <laughs> You've already got the implant. I thought Musk oh, was it, working on it. I didn't know Google was. Maybe. I have no idea. But I mean, that was, uh, I mean, one of the things we wanted to discuss, because Progo, you want to write a book about yeah. getting off all of these services. And we want to do some episodes on this. And I think it would probably will take multiple episodes and it's going to take beyond some homework it's going to take actually having some experience with the things before we really try to recommend other people try them so this is maybe a multiple podcast kind of a thing where we come in on one show and make a plan and then try the stuff and then come back and report back because google is the thing that is dr not uh, driving what people are doing but it's the it is the gatekeeper, I guess, like you said, because people that are using this for email, using it for they're text, the gatekeeper of your thoughts. They're they're like they're, you'll upload data to your private folder, and then it won't be there tomorrow. But Google will have that, it. That that's gaslighting. Uh, I I the the problem, the concern that I raised a minute ago was that they would be uploading data directly to your thoughts. Well, they, they're getting there, and uh, yeah. Earl Walkman points out. That. The way to do this is probably to separate these things by phone, you know, laptop, although we're still old. We still have desktops, uh, but, uh, you know, we're old. Uh, why, website, why would I want my computer to be available anyway? With a normal person, you, the only way that you can really have authority and ownership and, and um, uh, what's, what's the word? Um, Control. Sovereignty over your computing environment is you have to have a laptop or a desktop computer. If you and and I don't count macOS as as that. If you got macOS okay. or iOS or Android, you are, are you are not the sovereign owner of that computer. Well, no. It, 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 I, I let let me it, put it in in a simpler way to describe. It's not your computer. Yeah, 
you're you're just renting it. You you paid a lot of money up front to rent if, it. If if you do not have the ability to fundamentally change the operating system or or features or or change it at, according to what you need from your system, if you don't have the ability to do that, it's not your computer. Yes. CSP just said he would uh, do cartoons for my upcoming book. I would totally like as as much as I I, I don't like to follow him on NAS and I've got problems with him. He, he's cool, and I accept that offer when when I eventually get around to writing the book. And we like to see so, close to a backhanded compliment. Is, <laughs> people people get used to having this like this server oriented computing where right. I've I've got a server and I've got multiple client machines and client processes, and the server keeps everything synced for me. Right. What I want to do in the book is say you can build that server at home with free software. Right. Well, that's, that's it. Basically, concept. Well, yeah, because it's the cloud, which is when that whole concept started being talked about. This is where it started. And it is, as uh, Earl Walkman points out, this is all about custody of your data. It doesn't matter whether it's your email, whether it's your photos, whether it's your text messages, any other conversations, whatever it is. It is having the custody of your data and beyond email, which is a bear. The rest are pretty easy to do if you're willing to buy a little bit of hardware and do some setup emails as we've talked about in the past is the the bear of doing any of this stuff and the best you can kind of hope for with email is to find a service like proton mail that doesn't steal your data and that you can have reasonable trust in and the important thing picking email is who is paying them and why are they paying them that that's well, if, that, if that's somebody the- else is paying for your email then you're in trouble. That 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 is the important thing to note about any form of service ever is yeah. is who is paying for them. That is the real customer, and that is the person who controls what it does. Well, that makes sense, and I don't know if a lot of people realize the amount of data that Google takes out of your emails. And I have a bunch of accounts that get forwarded over to I my sure Gmail. I hope Google's not taking anything out of my emails. I think they are. I think they are. Um, I don't have a Gmail account. You know, it's how do you know? You can have one on Gmail. <laughs> Sir Bemrose at gmail.com. I bet you that exists too. See, somebody's already set this up. Oh, it's like it's like to, when I say I don't have a Facebook account. I've never had a Facebook account that I have any control over. Yes. So I mean, if you get an email from Sir Bemrose at gmail.com asking you to send donations for Grumpy L Benz directly to him, not really him. Just saying we should put that out there so everybody's safe and secure. But the email is the rough part. So that is something that you can't just set up at home and have work, mainly because the way all of the residential ISPs are for a variety of reasons. Mostly the residential ISPs treat you like that, mostly because of the never ending spam war. Yes, that's basically it. And. So like to, to be a member of the federated email network and be able to send and receive messages, you need to be like an active full-time sysadmin. And if you aren't constantly chasing after people who have graylisted you and blacklisting other people yourself, if you're not actively doing that, if you don't have somebody in your organization that's doing that, you don't exist on the federated network. Yeah. And you need to get your emails. So there's that. The one device we've talked about before, the Helm device. 600 bucks plus about 100 bucks a year. I don't think most people are going to do that for email, even though they're rolling in other things like file syncing and all that. I don't think the average person is going to pay 
five, six hundred bucks for the device and a hundred bucks a year just for email. I mean, you could do everybody in the house. So, I mean, I guess maybe if you have a big family, you might pay that. But that price to me still seems excessive. I don't know about you two. family. I think I'm paying like forty eight dollars a year for a fast mail. So a hundred dollars a year doesn't seem too steep, especially if you get other features you want to use. Well, and maybe that's the answer. Ultimately, the problem with email is that it is painfully outdated and has not been updated to address the emerging, changing technologies and new requirements that have gone on communications. I mean, email was developed in a world when it was generally assumed that if somebody sent you a message, then both that message had interesting content and it was from it was a message that you wanted. And those are hopelessly naive assumptions now. But. Email, the the problem with email is that everything that has come out and has proposed to replace it from a technological standpoint, a lot from a technological standpoint, there have been hundreds of attempts at replacing email, but nearly every one of them has not got off the ground, not because of technological reasons, but almost always because of business model reasons. Because one company is like, we have the ultimate technological solution that addresses every problem with with communications and fixes it so that you can be what was slack is is one example of this it is superior <laughs> in every single way except that then the company slack comes out and says email. slack is a private system well let me and let me finish to, in order to exchange messages with slack you have to be accepted into the group that's not how email works you are completely undermining my point here Slack, technologically speaking, technologically speaking, Slack is superior to email. It it addresses almost all of the problems that we've had. However, every time somebody comes up with some system like this, they say, you know, this is better. This addresses this problem. It does this problem, this problem. And we're going to control it completely because that's our business model. And right there, that is where the entire idea falls off a cliff. You email has not been replaced. By anything that is open and patent unencumbered that solves its problems. I, I have my theory is that anything that is open and unencumbered by patents and completely federated, decentralized, anything like that that tries to replace email just looks functionally exactly the same as email. Like it, it's like you can't use the new thing because it's just the old thing with different words in the protocol. More or less. I mean, but there are things out there. I mean, when you look at even the Mastodon and uh, Pleroma, which is noagendasocial.com, which is that version of Twitter, the direct messages there aren't much different than email. I mean, you could just change the formatting a little bit and it would act completely the same. But and, and I if think the level of spam that exists on email happened on the federated social network, they all the servers would fall over. We just have to turn them off. There's, we have no way to handle them. That is probably true, which well, I guess is it, the issue. I, I mean, you know, d- what what problem are you trying to solve? There, there's a number of you know turning off anonymous direct messages and yet allowing messages from people you follow or people that follow you it is a viable way to get a lot of communication done. Okay, yeah. Um, e- email doesn't really have. Uh, a built-in system Email of following, for example. Email never opt-in system. That's part of the problem. Yeah. And that's why so, I, I, I never like broadcasting text via email. Like, if I want to receive your text feed, like John C. Dvorak's newsletter, I'm going to go to the RSS feed, which most most people don't know that it's there. But 
if you don't have an RSS feed for your newsletter, I'm not reading it. We no. do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we do it because well, you're awesome. I, hey, when we used to say service Wait. that Dvorak is using for no agenda and they, and they do it by default. Yes. Grumpy old Benz has a newsletter. You can sign up on our website. But this email it, is not this idea that in an email like you, you, you can't pre-approve people who send things to you. The fact that there has that feature and that people want to use that to broadcast messages, just that doesn't go together for me. Well, I, I need to be able to cut it off at the source when I don't want to listen anymore. You know, it's not well, that different. That's what blocking is for. Well, it's not that different than phone calls, which is an intriguing thing. And Apple has this built in to their software on their devices. I guess Android does not the ability to block my wife's been getting a lot of calls, assuming this is that time of the season with the political calls and that all of a sudden been getting a lot of robo calls to her cell phone and we're on the Samsung, the latest, I throw well, at least one of the latest ones, the S 10 E that we've had for about a year or so. And there is no built in way to do it. You have to go to a third party app, which as we've talked about here on grumpy old Ben's, that's not usually a recommended way. I want to do things, which is to go, and find a third-party app from another company that you don't know if you can trust. And this one that seemed to be the highest recommended, but not a huge company, was some guy named Vlad Lee, who has a call blocker. So, you know, purchase that to use on the phone. But I was very disappointed that out of the box, the Samsung device, and some, uh, some of the Android devices have this ability, the Samsung ones don't, is to go into the settings and just say, only ring. If it's somebody in my contact list, otherwise send it to voicemail. And I can't believe oh, I really wish I wish that my phone had that or OS feature going back 20 years has always been a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I and, don't answer. Uh, by the way, how I handle that on my Kyocera Cadence flip phone, it doesn't have that feature. But what I was able to do, and I think most phones can do this, you can set <clears> a, your default ringtone is no ring, no vibrate, nothing. And then you manually go through your entire contact list. Hopefully, you don't oh, have more than a couple dozen. Right. And you that set a custom an ringtone in the ass. Yeah, setting a ringtone for every person. Ass, but it does get the job done. Yeah, that's hacking your way through it on the yeah, OTG until lifestyle. You add, until you add a new contact and forget the ringtone and keep missing calls. Why, I mean, why won't it, he pick up the call? It's with issues. Yeah, it should, some, it should be something that is built in. There's no question about it. Although... It should have been built in on day one. When you have a when you have a phone that is in fact a computer acting as a phone, not having that feature on day one is just, it's like it's stupidity and contempt for your users. Well, it is, and the fact that you have to go to a third party app, there's one thing that you have to give this app access to in order to block everybody not in your contacts list, which is your contact list so i mean there's it's an intriguing thing because you have to then give them your contact list and you're just hoping they're not going to spam all of your friends and you know use it against you which is a fairly easy thing to do now you know the 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 permissions level thing on phones is has always been a, a a tough technical problem but nobody has managed to get it right you know early on it was uh, if you install this app, it has permission to everything. I mean, that that's right. Still they didn't even day, ask that's the windows model. Uh, yeah. To this day, that's still the windows model. If a program runs, it has the power to, you know, erase all your documents and send emails as you and do everything. Uh, but you know, somewhere along the line, somebody figured out, Oh, well we can, 
we can just make permissions granular and say, well, this one wants permission to get at your camera. This one's permission to your phone. And that's, that's a pretty good idea. But uh, even then there's a lot of, you know, a lot of app stores would be like, this thing requires permission to your firstborn child. Yes, no. And if you say no, it'll just refuse to install. And there's a lot of cases where you're like, well, I, I actually would rather that the phone, you know, I, I, let me install the app, but just deny it access when it tries to access my camera. Uh, right. You know, then, then everything else should work, but, but it'll fail trying to access the camera and then I'm, I'm good. Right. Although, you know, the problem with that is that people, you know, app makers will very quickly uh, come up with, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to check. And if I can't access the camera, then uh, we just won't run. And then you're back to the same point. And then you might be able to say, you know, there, there's a, the, uh, an arms race going on, for example, then, then can you Im- implement a feature that says uh, when this thing tries to access the camera, let's give it a fake feed. And then it does an app decide to come up with detection for, is this feed fake? I did that years ago. And then they kind of evolved into a commercial product and sold out and like, you can't get that anymore. But Cyanogen mod was like a fork of Android. That was, it had all that built in. It was, you can go ahead and give permission for all these things. And they would just be proxy services that had nothing in them. Yeah. Oh, that, that. Actually, there's there's some pretty cool uh, open source things that uh, try to uh, proxy and stub out uh, the Google Play services so that you can uninstall Google services without completely breaking every app. And again, I I say that the fact that Android has all this permission stuff like yes, no on the camera, the the fact that Android does not let you go ahead and install a phone, go ahead and install an app that demands access to your microphone, say yes, you can have it to the app. And but the user is actually just provi- choosing to provide a null feed for the microphone. The fact that that's not built into Android is again contempt for the user. And and well, as it, I said before, you, you're not a sovereign owner of the system. Android has lots of contempt for the user, but uh, as uh, a person I used to work with liked to say a lot, uh, the the default state for any feature is not implemented. And and what it means is when you say, I don't know why this doesn't have such and such feature usually is, is a direct result of, well, that feature hasn't been implemented yet. And, and like I just described there, there is an arms race because the moment that you decide to give it a null feed, then you get, uh, you know, something that clean feed loves to do to me. Uh, um, actually, uh, clean feed does it, but discord discord is the one that really bugs me is I will sign into a channel in discord that I don't have permission to speak and discord will within a few seconds, pop up a red bar at the top says, we're not detecting any audio from your microphone. Would you like to go to our audio wizard? I'm like, no, cause I'm not fucking talking because I don't have permission to speak in this channel. Why, why would yeah, you even ask me that? And there are Android apps. There's like games that say, I'm sorry, I can't function because you didn't give me access to your address book, but yeah. you, you have to well, train yourself as a user to say that as a deal breaker, I'm leaving yeah. the so- I'm getting rid of the software. I'm never going to touch it again. And and it, that's the only way out of the arms race. You have to train that's yourself it. to be ready to do that. And and you know, it, it, as as uh, you know, uh, another of my former coworkers loved to say, he said, uh, y- y- "Secure computer security is a technical problem only to a point, but eventually you still have to deal with the dancing monkey problem." The dancing monkey problem is that people who want to install an app that causes dancing monkeys to dance across their screen 
are going to install the app. If, if there is any way at all to install it, they will find a way. They will look up an online guide. They will look up. They will, they will type in, how do I install dancing monkeys? They will find a blog post that says, here are the specific steps that you need to disable and tear down all of your system security so that you can install this. And then they go in and they install the dancing monkey and look, somehow there's malware on their system and they don't know why. Speaking as a libertarian, I, I sometimes fall over the fence into the area of, I will take care of myself and I will help you if you ask me for help. Everybody else can, well, good luck. Yeah, well, the, the big companies don't do that for a couple of reasons, one of which is is that when, no matter how libertarian you want to think, is that they're, we're in a society where big companies will get sued if their system is, is sufficiently insecure enough. Well, you have to be pretty insecure. The fact of the matter is even a very this secure. This was Microsoft. Yeah. Even a very secure Android and iOS, uh, they're still just data collecting devices. There's no question about that. There's no question. That's what they're in business to I, do. I mean, I mean, the the dancing monkey problem was brought up in a conversation where uh, we we were. I mean, the, the context was the Microsoft security push of, of Windows XP. And the 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 situation was XP was terrible on security and didn't have a lot of built in security things. A lot of the kind of things that that you program would would say, I can't believe these aren't in the operating system at all. Uh, and people kept getting viruses. And it, it is a, a simple fact that 95 percent of the malware that appears on any system is not because the system failed, but rather because people did something that wasn't recommended but microsoft still gets blamed for catching malware and getting viruses and ultimately that can impact sales when microsoft has a bad reputation and so it is in microsoft's financial interest to make it harder for people to install malware on their systems and if that means that we take away control then that was that was a decision that the company wanted to make um also a direct result of that rational decision is why i'm not running windows 10 but always oh, yeah but you just got a you just got an emergency patch release for windows 8.1 i hope you got that installed um are you talking I, about the internet explorer i don't know there was just a uh, big thing on windows 8.1 getting a uh, uh, a patch not for in windows explorer for an insecurity you better check I, may, maybe you better check your updates there was another change that just happened with microsoft they've now Remove the ability to disable Microsoft Defender and third-party security software via the registry. This according to bleepingcomputer.com. I guess since Windows Vista, uh, a registry edit has been able to turn off antivirus, which I could see that could could lead. I I don't disagree with that move, but it kind of sounds like a ring minus one kind of thing. You remember that uh, that in in the, the, the first... 20 or so years of Intel process, Intel x86 style processors, you had, and, and I'm sure other CPU architectures had this too, you had different rings of execution where as soon as you got into the, the point where CPUs could have like memory protection and protecting processes from each other so they couldn't all like, so a process couldn't kill the operating system, Right. you had rings. So that the, the supervisor program, the, the kernel, the thing that is in charge of killing bad processes, that runs in ring zero. And then you had ring one and ring two, which nobody did much with. And ring four was just user applications. And yeah, and 
somewhere sure. along the line, we said, well, we need to have like a supervisor above the supervisor so we can have virtualization. We'll call that ring minus one. But, and now well, there's things like the, like the security models. Yeah. There's probably three or four other levels of, of rings in the, the Intel processors now. I, I can't keep track of it. I think the chat room might be saying I might have it backwards. I'm not sure. Um, well, I, but x86 it, that, that take x- it out of the registry thing that that sounds to me like oh let's just let let's add another level of separate supervision separate code paths because this thing is like it, it, it it's it's patching an old architecture really and again i don't really disagree with it it just sounds like a dangerous complication it does yeah, x86 it defines four rings and those are you know nobody you're right nobody uses one and two and then application space is three and kernel space is zero. You, you kind of got that right. Um, the, the ring negative one is, is a colloquial term because there are only four rings defined by X86 instruction set. So these are things that are outside of the X86 instruction set. And they yeah, are things like, the, like the TPM GPUs, model module. Like every, yeah. every virtual machine hypervisor has to have an Intel mode and an AMD mode. And they, they have special instructions for that. Yeah, they're, they're special instructions to drop the CPU into a particular mode or to run instructions on some kind of add-on chip that isn't part of the x86 interpreter. That yeah, oh well, yeah, and that's another thing. At this point, it, the the kernel and user mode code running on an x86 CPU is basically a low-level virtual machine that's running in an interpreter. Well, it, it, a hardware interpreter, which is to say that. Modern CPUs don't directly run x86 instructions anymore. They run some kind of risk set, and the x86 is interpreted in in hardware on the fly into these risk instructions because x86 is everywhere, and, and various attempts to move people to uh, risk, reduce it, instruction set, various attempts have always failed because well. of- You can't break backwards compatibility. Yeah. Every attempt to to move people off of x86 has run into the backward compatibility problem where existing apps run x86. So that's what I have to do. So the only way that these be that these processor makers could get the benefit of a reduced instruction set, which you know lower and smaller instruction set means less silicon to run it, which means less heat, which means you can run better. Uh, the only way you can get the benefit of that is that they put an on chip interpreter that translates in hardware x86 into their their proprietary risk set which is fascinating by the way and it's amazing that we went so far before getting meltdown inspector it yes well (laughs) those were just the tip of the iceberg they're now coming out with with new flaws in intel chips every two months now that i'm not always not always reporting all of them but man there's I I mean, somewhere along the line, Intel was like, oh, yeah, uh, the only things people are hacking is is the software. So we're good to do whatever. Right. It's a lot harder. Eventually, eventually, the CPU module is just going to be like this black box where like you feed in silicon and and feed in like uh, raw materials in one end. And occasionally after a software update, waste comes out the side and you've got to throw that away. When everything has an onboard 3D printer, yeah, that's just, I that that would be awesome. But I want to be in control of the software. Of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, like, you yeah. won't be sorry. Yeah, it's it, that. It, we, it's that we having that. control. Yeah, having the control. That's the one thing with this article that I'm not quite 100 percent certain. But it seems like maybe 
you can't actually turn off windows defender anymore they're going through talking about removing this from the registry it says it's a legacy setting no longer needed as microsoft defender antivirus automatically turns itself off when it detects another antivirus program so well i think i think you just nailed it i they they're not going to let you get a new antivirus program you install it get permission and well, do you, you, yeah, it pops up as like, are you sure you want to run this as administrator? And you're like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and, and wait my hand on the security. Above administrator, there, there's, a, there's a ring minus one for Windows that says, I don't care if you're admin, you can't turn this off. Now, this is well, a quote but, from Microsoft. Consumers may choose to run another antivirus solution, but if for any reason that solution is turned off, Microsoft Defender AV will turn itself back on to ensure yeah, there is no like, gap in protection. It, it sounds like from the perspective of Microsoft, the one thing, the one scenario that they have disabled is running without antivirus. Yes, that does seem to be the case, which and, and, and if you and desperately need as long as they keep it this way, I, I have only ever seen Windows Defender actually be against real actual malware, whether it's unknown or known. Um, I've got a corporate antivirus solution in my computer that from my company that does like it disallows all kinds of crap that I legitimately want to do, but I have never been fighting with windows defender in that way, but you may be moving uh, forward. That's the question I'm having because yeah. when you no, say, I mean, this is literally directly the, the, from the quote from Microsoft. Microsoft. It looks like malware. Windows defender is going to erase this message for you. You know, but when they say specifically for any reason, if that solution is turned off, Microsoft so, defender will turn itself back on. That doesn't say, you know, I've got Bitdefender on my system. It doesn't say if Bitdefender is uninstalled. It says if it's turned off. And I'll just so, so I have some I have some Microsoft context for this one, and and I absolutely understand from their perspective what it is that they're trying to do. Uh, it 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 goes back to the idea that uh, somewhere along the line, Microsoft realized that every single time anything bad happens in Windows, you know, you you downloaded the Dancing Monkey XE. And clicked yes through the 17 dialogues that it pops up of, of this looks like a virus. Are you sure you want to do it? And you say, yes, yes, yes. Run me. Show me my dancing monkeys. And your system gets destroyed. Then you go out on Twitter and say, Microsoft sucks. They allowed me to get a virus. And Microsoft is trying to avoid that PR hit. That is the, the motivation for all of this. And a PR hit was the main reason why Defender wasn't absolutely mandatory starting with Vista. Uh, Windows Defender came out. It it was uh, it came out for XP originally. It was installed by default in Vista. It was on by default in Windows Seven and beyond. Uh, however, uh, somewhere along the line with Win Two K, with uh, Win NT, with Win ninety eight ME, and especially with XP, that was when malware started blossoming everywhere. Microsoft had not reacted to it, and an entire industry popped up of third-party antivirus software. It was Microsoft was not solving this problem and antivirus software companies appeared everywhere claiming, and some of them worked, but certainly not all of them, that they were going to keep your system protected because Microsoft wouldn't. And starting in Vista, Microsoft said, no, we really will keep your system protected. And whether you trust them or not, it is without a doubt, they understand the operating system better than any third party will. And they produced a technology. Which is about 70% understanding. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
I, I, nobody at Microsoft fully understands the this OS that that much is certain. But when they came out, they uh, in, you, you may call this hubris and you may say you don't trust them. But from a technological perspective, it was Microsoft came out with antivirus built into the operating system from a purely technological perspective. There was no longer a need for the entire third party antivirus industry. In one release, Microsoft obsoleted the whole industry. However, the industry had made money. They had lobbyists. They had Congress critters in their pocket. They had political clout. They had clout with users. Therefore, it was not feasible socially, not technologically, to just sweep the entire industry under the covers. Therefore, when Microsoft came out with their own antivirus, it was absolutely required that it be disableable. And that you can still put on third party. And from a technological perspective, it was in general unnecessary for these third party to exist ever again. They did. I don't believe There's that for been, a minute. Well, there have been changes in different things. New features come out for one or the other. Microsoft being locked to the Windows uh, update cycle, at least for another 10 years, uh, was one of the slowest to update. So there was still. Some, you know, there was still some benefit in terms of updates, in terms of responding to new features of these third party systems. That was, you know, and Defender was. As long as Microsoft doesn't completely forbid it, there is room for the third party solutions because they could connect to a centralized um, uh, campus uh, central server that that, uh, that dictates exactly what behavior is allowed. Um, there, it, antivirus isn't just look for the evil bit and disable it. it it's it's a very complex uh, feature that's running in the background that may or may not interact with the user or may or may not act interact with the the site sysadmin. And uh, to to say that Microsoft is the only one who's going to provide that solution is a bit short sighted. Well, I I told you this was Microsoft's perspective. It's not necessarily mine. Uh, yeah. But the the Running more than one antivirus is sketchy now, but it was downright dangerous back in the day. Uh, <laughs> there, there is there is a limit. You know, one one thing that is common to just about every antivirus on the market is that they need to be able to hook into kernel calls that load files. Uh, you know, if if nothing else, the DLL load function, where you are loading new executable code into you're, you know, an arbitrary program wants to bring more code in and you have you don't know when you launch the program that it's going to pull in that DLL. And now you need to pull in the DLL and the antivirus needs to be able to scan that. That's that's a feature of every one of them. In order to do that, you have what uh, from the the root from the kernel perspective is indistinguishable from a root kit. You, you have installed a root kit into your system. And there is a limit to the number of rootkits you can put into one kernel without affecting stability. And every single one that you, every single time that you hook new functions into your file load functions, you are slowing down the system. So there's also significant performance effects. It's not beneficial to run multiple antivirus, especially not more than two, just because you're going to make your system slow. You're going to make your system unstable. So Defender had a run to in any stable way yeah i don't believe it is it it, it might be i don't try it because that's really freaking dangerous but 
Microsoft came up with, they were, you know, from, again, from Microsoft's perspective, they were thinking, okay, we now have an antivirus. We know the operating system better. That means our antivirus is automatically better. And please don't interrupt me. That's what Microsoft was thinking. Uh, They didn't see any technical reason, engineers there, for ever disabling it. But there were political reasons to need to disable it. That is why there was an off switch. Well, somewhere along the line, Microsoft started, you know, well, the other thing, Microsoft's starting in Windows 8 started putting in kernel hooks so that you didn't have to install, you didn't have to use malware techniques in the kernel in order to hook all of these system functions because it was never built for you. Know, early versions of Windows were never built to be able to intercept these. So in order to intercept them, there the the antivirus software was literally indistinguishable from malware for in the way that they hooked. Microsoft started putting in kernel APIs to hook in things. Part of what they did in the kernel APIs was they said, okay, if anyone's using this, there must be an antivirus, which by the way, was not always true because some malware also hooked them. But I think there's enough APIs in now that someone at Microsoft said, well, we don't have to rely on the user because we already know that users are retards and will turn off security features if they can. But we don't have to rely on them anymore because we know if somebody is hooking into our antivirus hooks. So now we can automatically turn it on and off. And you don't see that being a problem. So it, it, it is true that like I, as an independent software developer, can create a completely new antivirus package. And all I have to do is get a, um, get a, a code signing certificate from one of the CAs who doesn't have any idea who I am or what I'm up to, but here's your, here's your signing certificate. Have fun. And then I sign my package and then that's all that's required to install it in, in an arbitrary uh, client machine. Yeah. I mean, okay. you might have to have some user intervention because uh, I get really the, pissed when, when there's like real Apple store kind of gatekeeping going on, I get pissed. Yes. And, and Apple is definitely doing that. I didn't, I read an article on that. I didn't pull it for notes. But uh, you might get because I, I I have reason to believe that the only CA that is recognized for antivirus by default is Microsoft, which means that if you want to write antivirus for oh, Microsoft, it's Microsoft legit. Microsoft to sign it. I mean, they've got to give you need to get Microsoft to sign it. Yeah. However, that's probably not that difficult. And more importantly, because Windows doesn't lock stuff down. Um, you can provide a little web page that said, if you really want to see your dancing monkeys, go ahead and click on this thing here, go into cert manager and install this certificate that you just downloaded from the internet as a root cert. And now you can install my software and see your dancing monkeys. So, so if you provide instructions like that, the user can almost always override on windows unless it's for updates, then, then fuck you user. You never get override things. See, this this screams of gatekeeping to me. So I think you're either missing that whole story here where if the minute you turn off another antivirus, the Windows Defender jumps in. I mean, I've had to do this on multiple occasions, not saying I run, uh, you know, key generators or things like that for software. But you'll notice that a lot of stuff is blocked by antivirus that isn't really virus. That is just things they don't want you to run. And once you're going to force something like windows defender on people what stops them from going oh yeah the bemrose vpn app nah, we don't really like him let's just call it a virus it won't run <laughs> cool well, not not a lot stops them no and, 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 and i wonder how long it's going to be before like we start having antivirus for things that facebook doesn't want you to post 
like on your desktop computer, which used to be your sovereign property. Uh, no, you can't trade that message because it looks like thoughts that are bad. Yes. Well, yeah, I know they tested that as you know, for, for at least another three years, two years, um, my windows eight is, is still here. So I've got that going for me, but, uh, you know, the the alternative is get off the platform because Windows 10 is much more p- patriarchal or uh, paternal than any other previous version of Windows. Uh, like I said, Microsoft has what to them are very legitimate reasons for doing this. And if you trust Microsoft, which there has to be at least some level of trust in Microsoft, if you're running Windows 10, you have decided to give it control of your CPU at least to some extent. So there, there's some trust there. If you trust Microsoft, they, they aren't, I I'm, I guess my point here is not, you should implicitly trust everything Microsoft does. My point here is I don't believe that Microsoft has made this change maliciously. I believe that Microsoft thinks that they are doing right by people by saying, if you have not installed third-party antivirus, we're not no, going no, no, to let not you run installed, one. Though, unless there were, I mean, again, the wording is maybe off, but when they're telling you, oh, you disabled Bitdefender, which you may need to do to, when I was trying to get on the stream for the first time, Bitdefender was blocking mm-hmm. me. So the only way to know if your antivirus is causing a problem would be to disable it. Now, if another one's going to engage at that time, then everybody's screwed. But I mean, maybe um, this is just well, the wording was wrong yeah, uh, and Microsoft didn't mean this. But if they really meant that anytime you disable your antivirus, that we're going to bring in ours that, and turn it on, that's an issue. I think that's if, precisely if what they mean. Admin, if, if I built the computer and I'm running Windows Defender from Microsoft, I have never gotten in a situation where it's like, no, ultimately you can't do what it is that you want to do. Like Windows Defender will bend over backwards and say, okay, if you, are you sure? Okay, let's do it. And it's not going to be like blocking ports or anything like that unless my, you didn't my, my go ex, in and my say experience, unblock. My experience is the same program as yours. And I know Darren has no experience with Windows Defender because he's never trusted it. That's so true. he wouldn't have any idea. That is but true. If I if I may paraphrase Darren's concern, who, what, regardless of what, if, if I may stumble over my words and go all Biden for a moment. <laughs> Um, Do you know where you are right the, now? The concern is not what Defender does now. It is once this is in effect and the user loses a little bit more control. Right. Uh, what if Defender changes in the future? And there is no real there is no real recourse if Microsoft comes out and decides to go full Apple and say, I'm sorry, you can't run anything that isn't from the App Store. The only re- ultimately the only recourse you have if Microsoft decides to go full you know, full control over everything is to get off of the windows platform. And I can't be nearly as freaked out about this as long as Linux exists and is open, as long as platform alternatives exist. It, I, I, I freak out about this sort of thing far more when there aren't any viable options to get off of the platform. And fortunately, I think that Linux is so entrenched in the, general purpose server space and that servers look so much like laptops like they they don't but they do there will always be linux personal computers i don't think that's ever going to go away they they might be more expensive they might cost twice as much but they're not going to go away you youngins and your laptops yeah i'm sorry if 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 i'm not sitting at this desk i don't want to be computing (laughs) and i want to know i mean this you're right with the phones attached to my hip 
the worry of Windows the Defender is that it, the Overton window is going to keep moving and we're just going to accept that more and more control of the devices should go to somebody else. But new my, normal, baby. Yes. And I I posed this question in the past and I haven't gotten an answer. So I'm guessing nobody's doing this yet. And I haven't I should be doing the work. I know it, I'm bad me, but like Android has the different operating systems that people go in and pull out all of the Google stuff. I want to know if anybody's keeping up with Windows 10 and has a version that just has all the telemetry stuff and all the controls pulled out, because I think, well, that may be where we're going. Because Windows is closed source and it would be illegal to get access to the source or to modify and rebuild it. The Windows license specifically forbids any kind of reverse engineering. Um, So nobody's doing it. Well, it, it doesn't it mean nobody's doing it, cash, but, it? but uh, you know, you, it, it's, it's funny how, uh, it, you, you seem to love copyright law when it protects your favorite singers for three and a half lifetimes, but you're okay with violating it when it protects some company from using their, you know, controlling their own software. I'm not reproducing the software and distributing it. I'm just wanting to use it in the way I want to use it. That's not a copyright argument. I mean, it's an argument program, the changes and distribute the changes. And those are copyright violations. Yeah, it it is. A copyright is the cudgel with which the large companies use to protect their closed source investments. Word of the day. Cudgel. When's the last time you've heard somebody use that in a a normal conversation? We need to have mainstream media in the last week. Not that I heard, but I mean, we could have the Bemrose word of the day. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I refuse to apologize for my vocabulary. You, my, my word but you refuse day, to IT apologize software. for everything. Yeah, I'm not going to start now. <laughs> right. What, what was your word of the program? My word of the day is IT sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, and oh, there, is, are, uh, there are versions uh, I'm of I'm not going to point out that that's more than one word, but it is a good concept. <laughs> it's a concept. Oh, yes. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The uh, I mean, like Windows XP, people are still releasing updated versions of that. So, I mean, it's it's happened to Windows in the past. And, you know, it's I don't want to move to Linux. I don't on the desktop. I mean, there's just it would cause too many hassles with the Adobe. I, mean, I, the I, I don't I, either, but I also don't want to work move to Windows 10. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the standoff that we're having, I suppose. And the fact that none of these things are really a hundred percent secure i just don't like this stuff like oh well oh you turned your antivirus off we'll just jump in and turn ours on it's like well no i'm looking to do something that i specifically don't want that and we're also now assuming that microsoft's never going to make the mistake and try to turn defender on while another antivirus is on which may cause all sorts of issues but i guess we'll see how that goes i mean google with the with the uh, gmail did you see the story they've had a uh, exploit that has been live for a long time and they were told about it never fixed it the exploit came out you know the people that found it released it to the public two days later it was fixed i mean oh geez uh and, and what evidence do we have that this is not a conspiracy um as far as what a, evidence except the story being reported by legitimate sources um i i have a lot of trouble hearing the words evidence and conspiracy in the same sentence <laughs> I mean, this mainly just would have allowed somebody to 
impersonate somebody with a Gmail address. I mean, that's what it all came down to. So if you oh, knew, that, that's no problem. That, that that's that's not a problem at all. No, not at all. It's uh, Google fixed a critical bug, according to bleepingcomputer.com, affecting Gmail and G Suite that would have allowed attackers to send spoofed malicious emails as any other Google user or enterprise customer. According to security researcher Allison Hussein, oh. who discovered the re- uh, issue co- was caused by missing verification when configuring mail routes. So uh, this this isn't really a Gmail thing. This is this is a one of the many reasons why the email protocol needs an overhaul is that email in general put, makes no restrictions on who you decide to send as you can send as anybody you want. That's getting, that's getting itself. better. There and, are, there are things in place now with and that. The, the only, well, the only thing in place that prevents that is email implementations, things like yeah. requiring authentication in order to send, but SMTP doesn't require it. But at this point, if you, if you start sending unsigned mail, then it, from your own home server, if your if your mail's not signed right, or it doesn't have the right properties, or or your certificate doesn't have the right properties, then that's how the mail gets silently dropped when you send a mail to your mom who's on Yahoo. Right. And yeah. that that's that's well, getting back to the beginning yeah, of this but, conversation where we're saying that bitch is on Yahoo, you should a full time job, and you really in today's world just pay someone else to do that job for you. It, it doesn't cost much. If that bitch is on Yahoo, she deserves to not be communicated with. I am going to tell her you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Just if she wants to write hate mail with her Yahoo account, it'll get to Ryan at grumpy dot com. But yeah, certificate Spotify was out briefly because they let a certificate expire. I mean, we talked about this the last time you were on Progo, the the new world of the Internet where everything is being forced to have the HTTPS secure encrypted. Of course, we need more overhead. Everything needs to be encrypted. Even your grumpy old Ben's episodes for some reason. I, I don't no get idea it. what I said before, but I'm, I'm all in on use HTTPS for everything. And at the same time, the X509 protocol for distributing these certificates is Swiss cheese. It's not secure. It, it doesn't authenticate. Are you suggesting that it's security theater? Pretty much at this point. Yeah. So I think I think that's what I said before. It's like encryption is better than not having encryption, but just don't behave as if you know that authentication works. Well, but then why? Why would you have companies like Google, who people still rely on for their search results, even though there are a variety of other places you can go that are going to start delisting people who don't have a HTTPS, don't have the SSL certificate, don't have this set up? I think that's going too far. I, I. I, I think you can make an argument for their side that doesn't involve Google evilness, but I think, I think it's going. I to think far. going going too far is the motto that Google had that replaced "Don't be evil." Go too far. <laughs> we shall go too far. Yeah, we shall go too far. That 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 works. Let's let's draw that up. We shall push things so far that it will make it inconvenient for people that don't bend to our way of thinking. This sounds a lot like the world today. I, it, I'm fascinated by the, the situation with Google AMP accelerated mobile pages. They they put out this oh. wonderful program and documentation, I'm, and you can do this to your website so that uh, that it, it's gonna it, it's gonna make web so, pages so load that it's, faster on your smartphone. That's great. So Let's that it's that. not your website it, anymore. Yeah. So and and they got every they got enough people on board because you know we're Google and we're going to delist you if you don't do this. They got enough people on board and and most people don't realize how evil it is. 
but it's essentially this backdoor program that I know you, this this podcast podcast has been complaining about that just takes all your content and like takes it away from your server and you don't control it, you don't get to track it anymore, and uh, it doesn't actually solve the problem of making pages faster. No, because the problem of making pages faster is that there's too much JavaScript and too many third-party requests and too much crap being loaded that has nothing to do with the page and everything to do with loading your analytics network and loading your ad network and everything. But since the analytics and ad network is Google, they don't want to touch that sacred cow. So instead, their solution is, oh, make it faster by loading it from our CDN instead of your server. I, I think and it's just fascinating though, that Google came up with this incredible lie, which is like, you know, if anybody looks at it, they're obviously lying and they, they sold it. And, and it is it, it has gone live. And, and the industry did not stand all together and say, fuck you, Google, we're not doing that. Well, if, if the industry is full of a whole bunch of people who don't know what the hell they're doing, <laughs> uh, yeah, putting up a website is. Uh, on the one hand, it's really, you know, I, I absolutely applaud the ability for everybody to be able to put up a website when, you know, podcasting is great because everyone can make a podcast. All you need is a microphone helps to have a better when, microphone. When that becomes not not has, possible but, when, when not every, not everyone can just create a website like that. The web is going to fracture between the MSM web yes. and something else that's like not even using the same protocol anymore. Yeah. And, and unfortunately it'll probably be based on TikTok or something, <laughs> but I, I absolutely applaud something being completely open and accessible to everybody, but you understand that the mo you know, and, and I applaud getting rid of the gatekeepers in, in any kind of, of publishing medium, the uh, getting rid of people who control the valve between you and your audience just it does, removes does TikTok them have a gatekeeping is impossible clause in the protocol? I doubt it. Uh, okay, but, so I don't know what you're but, talking about then. Well, a, their, uh, Twitter has a gatekeeper in the way, which is why you know half the time that you tweet that it doesn't get through because their algo has deemed that whatever you said might not be of interest to the people who have already said that they are interested in what you say. Uh, you know, Facebook will ban you for the YouTube will look at your video. You put up a private video just so that you can share it with one person and YouTube will go in and, and delete it because it has something on uh, it, it, G, your, your G drive. You want to share a file with somebody on G drive. Google will scan it and say this contains medical misinformation because maybe it was a, a link to a document that said hydroxychloroquine wasn't complete poison. And Google will scan, even though it's a private folder that you've only shared with one person, they will scan. That is what I mean by gatekeepers. And I applaud getting rid of gatekeepers and making things wide open. But the point I was trying to make about a moment ago, where you're saying like TikTok is is not like that or hasn't asserted that authority or, or what? No. What, 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 what's what's special about TikTok? I, it, it's, it's a really horrible gatekeep protocol that I was the first thing off of my mind when I was trying to give an example of. Okay, Whatever so you applaud them for the, the sudden success and it's just more of the same shit. No, I don't applaud them at all. Oh, okay. And it, it is, it, it is, I'm, I'm, I, I was being sarcastic. I was, I, I don't even remember oh. what it was, but I was, I was pointing out that, that when we get rid of the web, that the, whatever replaces it will probably be based on popularity and not freedom. And yeah, I, I that, think it's, it's probably you know, more fa- than 50% Facebook has, likely that when, when the web fractures the way that I said it did, 
the, the, the fractured web, the one where everyone thinks they have freedom, is actually going to be on a closed platform. And all It'll the sysadmins and all the dudes named Ben are going to be saying, no, you're doing it wrong. And, 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 and that, that was precisely my point. Maybe I should have said Facebook instead of TikTok. What I mean is, is that every time that the public perception pushes toward this is too open, there's too much crap out there, that people move toward walled gardens. And you know, AOL was one, Facebook is another, everywhere where there's a gatekeeper. You know, the, the promise of curation is the is the panacea against trying to uh sturgeon's law uh th- that is the problem with podcasts right now that is the problem with uh e- email it is that it is it, it, you know might be the problem with the web in general it is way too easy for anybody to go out and put up some content and i consider that to be a feature but you have to acknowledge sturgeon's law 99% of everything is shit and you have to That's be able you to have curate to have it. small network where people share within the network and say, go check this out. And, and, and word of mouth and video programs, every, every program, every story source, every publisher should have a feature. That's a list of here's shit that I like. You should follow these people. And word of mouth is one of the most powerful curation tools we have. And also by far one of the most uh, equitable and fair. And the only problem with word of mouth is that it does not scale well. And every time that somebody decides, you know what, I can take over the entire internet and I am going to offer you curation. When Google, you know, how did Google get big? They got big on search because they were offering to curate the entire internet for you. That's a tough tough uh prospect index the entire internet for me well uh, that depends on who you ask and what you think the algo is doing behind the scenes hey i don't know what the hell google's doing anymore and that's why i like that service talks i got like two or three people to add me over there after you know pushing that for weeks and weeks and weeks and every bit of the uh, random thoughts notes that i sent out because i do think it can replace i mean It'll replace things like Twitter and Facebook when it comes to communicating with people privately. When you're going to do any of this stuff in public, if you're going to post a thing for everybody to see, no matter where that is, then your data is going to be scraped by somebody because that's public. But if I want to have a communication with Progo, I don't want to do that through Facebook Messenger. I don't want to do that through Twitter DM. I don't even want to do that through No Agenda Social DM. If no, it's- so now you're doing it through Microsoft Skype. Right. Right now we're doing it through Skype because that's we're talking in public. So we don't care about that. Yes, this is public again, but that is Tox. We'll do. We should try that one day program because Tox actually does audio as well. Didn't even think of trying that as a protocol to get you on the show today. I, I was thinking and, and you've, you've I've seen you talking about talks. I tried it years ago and I keep meaning to try it again. I need to get talks running in my IRC gateway on my one server where all of my text contents go through this one. Well, two processes. Uh, a um, uh, Biddleby is Biddleby is running all of my connecting to non-IRC networks and making them look like IRC. And uh, I have ZNC as my IRC bouncer, well, I, w- and then I've got wow, Russell to do both of those. But um, the problem with talks, and I don't think they've ever solved this, is I need to have if if I'm not putting all of my talks communication in one single proxy server. I need to have multi-homed profiles where 
if I my desktop is currently turned on in my office and I pick up my phone and I start up talks and it, it, it should talk to my desktop and say, have you got any profile updates that are signed by your profile? OK, I'm going to download them. Now we have the same contact list. It doesn't do that. It may allow you to log in from different places, but if you left it out on the desktop, then log on to the phone, then you may miss messages. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure. I've never tried that. I need to try I'm more that. I'm concerned about, like, I can be not present on the desktop, but I need some way to say there was a profile change. The the actual, uh, the contact list, the other things that belong to, the data that belongs to me, not just logs. I need those synced from one computer to another. And the, the same profile instance needs to live on multiple homes. Right. And if, if it doesn't have that, it's just really not convenient for me. Hey, try it out and see. I mean, I like the fact that it does audio, it does video, it does messages, you can share images, and it's all without the central server, which is what we're looking to do on everything. Well, again, except email, because that's nearly impossible to do. But for everything else, when it comes down to I me, mean, I've been thinking about this stuff a little bit more again, because we were talking about this last week, even with photos. I mean, it's so easy to fall into these things. I mean, if you have an Apple device, they give you a bunch of storage. Oh, we'll just we'll keep your photos in the cloud. And everybody's like, hey, that's a great backup. They don't even think about all the data that Apple's getting from you from doing that. Same thing with Amazon Prime. Oh, you got Amazon Prime. You could store a billion terabytes of photos from your phone, whatever you want, unlimited. So I've been syncing it to Amazon. But now Amazon's got the information, although, you know, Amazon knows all anyway. But. When I really look into it, it's like, well, if I want to actually take, you know, maybe an hour of time, do a little bit of research, it's very easy to roll your own, excuse me, cloud on something like a Raspberry Pi with an external hard drive or with a network attached storage device. If you have one that would set up a personal cloud that I could just send all my pictures there because my devices are always on. So there are ways to get off of Apple and off of google and off of all of these companies that we're so used to just sending data to if you want to do the work i mean i i would say it's really easy to do all that stuff at home if you're a dude main ben and or, or, you could be if, like an amateur but you you have to be into it it's kind of like a the, the model t kind of error like yeah you, you know everyone can own their car but you have to be a mechanic or else you're not getting anywhere well, the, the other way that you can do it is if you go ahead and read Progo's new book that will be out on shelves and virtual shelves. <laughs> that yeah, I, 20- I started it like four times over the past 10 years. So uh, the, it, it'll come out about it'll come out the week after that John C. Dvorak's uh, book about what is it? Vinegar. Vinegar. Yeah. vinegar. I mean, and the interesting thing is, it's always it's this is a changing thing. This is more of something you need to put up as a interactive website. Because what you might recommend today might be gone tomorrow. There might be a better choice tomorrow. This stuff is always moving, always changing for what services you may or may not want to use. And there's a lot of these things. A lot of people swear by Proton Mail right now, and they could totally change their service tomorrow. And, and then what? And some people swear at Proton Mail right now. Could be. Can, can I preach for just a couple of seconds? Oh. Radix023 in the chat room just said, Program has a good point on learning curve. I'm not sure exactly what I said about learning curve, but <laughs> let me amplify what Radix said. But it was said. definitely and a good point. Everyone yes. now, if you're not on the learning curve, get on the learning curve because shit, the, the Google, Facebook stuff is not going to get better. You know, no, it's the, all of these Silicon Valley companies or, well, in, in general, 
They don't get better. They, the company does not suddenly turn around. The only way the situation gets better is that something new comes along and is not as bad and people eventually switch to it and the old thing dies and withers. That's again, evolution. But I'm looking around going, what is the new thing comes along? And there, there's some stuff, but yeah, you, you need to, you need to, well, you need to read Progo's book and, and learn what to move to. Right. And uh, Radix and Earl Walkman both use Proton Mail. Earl Walkman does it with a custom domain. I'll have to try that. I mean, I've been pretty happy using just our web host to do the email, although I will notice, unlike John C. Dvorak, I do get spam. And that's one place where Gmail really shines. You can say whatever you want about Google. They know what's spam because they send out so much of it. There's no question about yeah, that. Google is also Google is also really good about making broadcast messages that you did want to receive go away well yes and it's kind of it kind of freaked me out the other day when something came into an email that then showed up on my android alert saying oh you have an invoice due tomorrow it's like what the hell man that's uh (laughs) that's a little bit freaky that it's like one you're monitoring what's coming in and then not only, but you're now admitting that because you're sending me the notification. So it's like, well, how it do I know? It, it turns it into a structured object. Yeah. I, I mean, it's weird. That is absolutely weird. I thought you were going to mention what Blue Douche 33 said in the troll room. And if people aren't in the troll room, when we do this stuff live on Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern, you're missing out. He said, Progo is a good coder and uncharacter- uncharacteristically, I guess, for coders, he communicates well. He will always have work. So I guess. That's a one hell of a compliment, too, because I think he's right. A lot of people that are really good at coding, you try to have a conversation with them and they're just like we're talking way over your head. And you do a good job of letting people understand some very complex stuff. So I thought that was a nice compliment that shouldn't just go into the ether. I'm actually not that good at coding the last 10 years or so. <laughs> I've just been zoned out. <laughs> so you're so better I at communicating. You are shit, I make up you are shit at taking a compliment. You know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't okay. We've we've learned a lesson. Do not compliment Progo. <laughs> just don't do it. Don't do I'm it. Just, I, I, I'm just falling into the theme of this podcast. That's how this podcast works. You know it is. And Ryan thought I was getting a little too mean, and that's. I mean, I get it because people miss out on the 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 subtext, and if they're not listening to Grumpy Old Benz and they see something over on No Agenda Social, they don't have that context but i mean the worst case scenario i think there is they just think i'm a jerk which is okay i mean everybody's well, well true yeah i mean i'm not <laughs> gonna i'm not see i'll argue a lot of things i'm not gonna get into an argument about that you know if people are like hey you're a jerk it's like okay yeah what else you got i mean tell me something i don't know and then we can we can have a discussion but yeah i can well, see okay since since you decided to bring this out in public the 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 real issue that i had the only real issue is people who have never heard our show before do not understand the the shtick or or the the chemistry or or back and forth between us see these comments that you make in a like oh well i don't want to listen to that show it looks like the hosts just hate each other and i don't want to listen to people bicker no but that's all people like don't you know people people are dicks they they, they watch reality tv give them a chance to listen to the show and come to that conclusion (laughs) on their own let them come to the show and prove we're dicks. Don't just make them think it. Yeah, you're right. We want them on the show. Let's uh, let's send a honeypot out there. What we really want is for them to listen to the show, find enough value in it to become experts and then decide that we're dicks. It is the it is the long honored tradition of the male species. And I know it's 
it's really just horrendous to speak about the male species. We're supposed to speak in hushed tones, but the, the breaking of balls is a thing. And that is, you know, to me, that's a sign of respect more than, I mean, and I know people looking at it from the outside might not quite understand that, but it's, it's just part of the, it's part of the relationship. You know, most guys, when they see their friends, you know, be like, Hey, you fucking dick. And they're like, Hey, you, you know, it's like, that's just the way it is. That's the fun. That's just, I, I don't think that's true of the younger generation anymore. Well, okay. That may be true. They're, they're a little bit uh, more sensitive and I, I, they hug I mean, it out. I, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's, it could be different upbringing. It could be the, you know, having drilled in, in public school of, you know, thou shalt not start any kind of conflict because zero tolerance means that even the victim is going to be suspended. Right, uh, it right. might be that it, it might just be too many soy lattes. I don't know, but I feel like that is that is definitely a characteristic that has not continued onto the younger generations that I've seen. But I made the point out of what was it? One hundred and sixty one hours of grumpy old Ben's content that's been produced over the last year and a half or so. I mean, how many people have not even talked to their spouse for one hundred and sixty one hours over the past year and a half? People are raising their hands. Out wishes. There. Yeah, people are raising their hands. And that's true. So uh, I wanted to point that out then on No Agenda Social that we've been doing this for a long time and that your podcasting skills have definitely gotten better. I mean, I don't know if your opinions have, but you show up every show, you put the effort in. I mean, I know you don't like people to know that because that was like the shtick for about the first 10 episodes is, yeah, I just show up and I just give my opinion and rant. But the reality is you take that was actually what I did the first 10 episodes (laughs) and it showed. Let me tell you. Now I hear there are like massive amounts of notes that you publish to GitHub that people are like, I don't have time to read this. Yeah, that's why if I anybody in. if anybody can find the secret URL to my GitHub page, I've actually got uh, I started taking written notes and writing out uh, a set of notes file one per episode, starting with episode nine. And now all of those get pushed to GitHub after the show. That's a which, lot. Uh, of there's content. there's information in there and a lot of opinion. Well, yes. I mean, more opinion than content, maybe. Uh, for example, I, I may. Well, it depends. I don't I don't know if I will or if I'll just hold this over till next Monday because we didn't get to a single story. But I had uh, four stories covering 52 lines worth of notes. So a light <laughs> one today. And we didn't get to a single one. We got to a uh, bunch of them on my list. <laughs> well, um, let's see. I've got a couple bear poking stories. Uh, I've got uh, Bill Gates hates freedom. Uh, and, uh, I did actually want to get your position on, uh, the, uh, do you use virtual reality goggles specifically, uh, Oculus Rift? No. Are you familiar with, have you ever used, I know get into VR and I got to admit one of the main reasons why I didn't get into VR, uh, other than it looked like a fantastic way to lose your lunch. <laughs> yes. Is, yes. uh, the the biggest leading VR out there, the Oculus Rift, the one that was supposed to revolutionize the industry, got bought out by Facebook very early, and I my interest yeah, dropped I saw to that zero. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I pulled some quotes because uh, the big story just a couple days ago is that Oculus Rift is now going to re- in order to use your VR device. Is now going to require in order to log to in with Facebook your output device, which is supposed to just output data. Yeah. So uh, actually, you you can probably bring more facts to this, but I wanted to pull up uh, 
a couple quotes. So uh, Oculus. I only know the, the headlines. Go on. Oh, the founder of Oculus, uh, a guy by the name of Palmer Lucky, uh, who is kind of a, a software libertarian like us. In 2014, Palmer Lucky said, I guarantee that you won't need to log into your Facebook account every time you want to use the Oculus Rift. You will not need a Facebook account to use or develop for the Rift. That would be lame. I promise. Ah. Uh, that that was and and he believed that um, it in uh, 2016 ish. Uh, he got fired uh, for reasons that were not officially given. However, in an interview in 2019, he did mention, well, I gave 10,000 to a pro Trump group, and I think that had something to do with it. Nice. Uh, I believe it. And uh, Palmer Lucky in 2020, a couple days ago, said, in hindsight, the downvotes from people with more real world experience on Facebook than me were definitely justified. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the new world order, man. Yeah. So uh, just the, a quick, quick rundown on what actually happened. Uh, Facebook has a number of features that were always optional with the Oculus that uh, uh, the features were chats, uh, the ability to join friends, to start parties, uh, to engage and create user created events, to uh, share photos, videos and stream to Facebook and Facebook this, messenger this integration. This all makes no sense to me. Why, why is the platform tied to the output device why can't you have an output device that works with platforms well because the the platform without the platform facebook is nothing and so it is in the company's financial interest to push the platform under every circumstance yeah and and so that's why years ago when they got acquired by facebook everyone's just like well i guess that's dead yeah it was pretty freaking awesome for the first two years and then yeah so 2014 they were bought out it i'm kind of impressed i gotta i gotta hand it to facebook for the amount of self-control it must have taken to not require platform lock-in for at least six years yeah wait I mean, wait for everyone that, to get used to it like oh, oh don't don't, yeah. don't worry about the man behind the curtain that that owns this and and i i i might be talking to the wrong people here but i don't even know what the state of vr is it's not even been on my radar because it 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 feels like uh, those uh, hovering skateboards from Back to the Future, where like okay, yeah, it's kind of cool that this exists, but what is the practical real world purpose? Or right. or flying cars, you know, flying I, I cars imagine, always seemed really cool. I, I can imagine for, engineering and and operational reasons to use a VR headset, but um, I uh, my my maturity for video games ends with Super Mario All Stars cartridge for the Super Nintendo. Uh, that's like well, the that's the newest video game I have, I care about at all. The, and, the and that's engineering a thing, of though, the whole video game. The engineering thing is is definitely an argument for augmented reality and not virtual reality. The ability to add data to your visual field while still interacting with the real world has a number of of industrial applications. But the ability to completely replace your virtual field with something that is entirely controlled by the system just i i it feels like okay, my you've got is like go games, experiment with it and show me a case study I, i'm not gonna poo poo it but um don't tie it to facebook <laughs> go on. well yeah that's that then so uh all of those features that i named which have absolutely nothing to do with the core purpose of the oculus which is to show you a virtual world and immerse you in it uh they 
they were always optional. A lot of people didn't want to use it. A lot of people, you know, the the number one use of the Oculus was a number of games that support VR. And games are the kind of thing that put you into a virtual world. But if you got your game from Steam, then you really don't care about partying up on Facebook because you use the Steam party system, maybe. I don't know. Hey, I just, well, was having crappy eyes for years, never got into the virtual reality stuff. Now with one, you know, there's no 3D. So what's really the point of having virtual reality? <laughs> None whatsoever. And I'm also my the guy that my, my death perception near, near, near to my face. My death perception is not good. Like most people have it. Yeah. Well, and I'm also the guy that every time when they, when these games were out and popular, when they first came out, like Grand Theft Auto, anything where a character that you're playing is moving through an environment, walking or running nauseous within like 30 seconds. So well, that, that's pretty common. Yeah. You know, I don't know how this works in virtual reality. I would think that would be worse, but I can't really tell you that for sure. The only thing I remember ever doing in virtual reality is when they had the very simplistic little cardboard glasses that came out and I did a review on them before a company on Amazon years ago where you could slip your cell phone in and kind of they had the little apps that you could run and show you a kind of a virtual uh, 3D thing which was they had a thing with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit models, tested that out, and it wasn't all that impressive. Um, you know, didn't really do much. So I want to I point out one more thing from uh, this. This was pointed out by The Verge and, in the article that I read, and it, uh, this is a silver lining such as it is. And it is uh, if you are worried that uh, logging into Facebook will now give Facebook all of your data you know, your movements, which, which is your, your movements in this thing is biometric data, by the way. Uh, if you're worried about the, uh, you know, your, your, whatever, whatever you're doing with your Oculus being sent to Facebook, then the point that the verge brought up is, uh, worry not. It was already being sent. Right. They have everything about you anyway. No worries. All your data belongs to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's so the screen. It's the, the output device that's also an input device. We are not the virtual reality experts here. And NetNed and Radix chiming in that it's even worse on VR, the whole motion sickness thing. So, yeah, yeah it was never going to happen for me. I know some people when this first came out was like, well, you know, just do it constantly if you that's, can for a few hours and your body will eventually get used to it. It's like, no, here, here's something that I have no information on. Does And the troll room might know. Does Oculus have AR? Because the only Oculus I've seen is the Rift, which is totally VR. It it doesn't augment your visual field; it replaces it. Interesting. I mean, I uh, guess because you, you have something that's real that's staying stable then in the augmented, so that's why it doesn't screw everything up. There's a really cool uh, piece of tech that I saw. Um, in Twit was uh, promoting it actually for a while. Uh, they, they had the creator Jerry Ellsworth on Twit to demonstrate it. And the demonstration didn't go too well because it's really hard to film it. But um, Jerry Ellsworth created this Cast AR system. I think that's the current name, Cast AR, uh, where you put a retroreflective screen down on a table and then you wear a projector between your eyes, like on your forehead. The projector projects your view of the virtual environment onto the retroreflective screen on the table, and then it comes back to you. But you only see your view. Everybody else is doing the same thing. They have their own, a different view because they're on a different place around the table. 
So it's great for like collaborating on objects and the, uh, yeah, so the, the, the whiteboard the that she demonstrated was tabletop games where like, you know, instead of buying the actual tabletop game with all the, the little parts that you can lose and everything, <laughs> you could have a game that's like completely instantly re- reconfigurable, but it's still a tabletop game. Yeah. Or you could use pen and paper and an imagination. Not that the, yeah, but, be, now that yeah, we're breeding that I, out of humanity. I don't think that there's a huge market for this, but I think it's a really good solution to uh, a certain set of problems in the space of like kind of augmented reality. Like you're, you're projecting the game onto the table in your space, but, and you're not wearing goggles and getting dizzy and nauseous from it. Um, I think it looks kind of cool, but I, I wouldn't buy one. I don't have a use for it, but if you have a need for projecting a virtual world onto a table that people are sitting around the table. It looks like a great solution for that. Well, yeah. What was the name? Wasn't there a Microsoft thing that they were pimping at one point that was supposed to be like the big interactive table? With the, uh, I, I think that was using AR yeah, or that, VR that was, Um It's it, it's now the the PIXL, I think, but it its original name was the Surface before Microsoft decided to rebrand and make their line of laptops the Surface. Right. They had. But originally, the Microsoft Surface was that big ass table. Uh, I got to play with one of those once. Was it cool? I mean, it was exactly as cool as the tech demo was designed to be. And I kept (laughs) looking at it and going, "Okay, so it's an electronic whiteboard that that relies on, uh, you know, technology that can break on. I don't know. I, I I've always been a fan of of actual whiteboards because they they're low tech. They're very racist, very reliable. Everybody can see it. A whiteboard. And maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. I think. The, hey, it, hashtag all boards matter. You're talking about whiteboards in episode 88. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know if you're who you're triggering here, but I don't like it. Hashtag all boards matter. Rogan's <laughs> like, what did I get into? Um, we, I, for a few seconds, I was completely lost, and then I, I realized, like, we were getting into the. You can't have your your core branch and get called master anymore because right, that's offensive. Right, right. You can't, it can't. You can't call a master bedroom a master bedroom anymore because that's somehow racist. Uh, well, I, I'm not I, on I, I, any I, of that. Nobody, I, un, unless Linus Torvalds comes up and says we're going to change Git and we don't like master because of this technical uh, reason. even the the core branch is called master and and if you try to i'm not changing it even when linus does do that i'm not changing it and and i say when because he is being very strongly pressured and and is slowly being transformed into a social justice he he actually came out in support of a code of conduct for the linux kernel now yeah that that's uh unfortunate and we, so he he is he is being indoctrinated, and I I can't really blame him. He's under a ridiculous amount of pressure. But well, it is I, a woke I, world. For anyone who's not familiar, Linus Torvalds created the Linux kernel, and he created Git, and he has nothing to do with GitHub. GitHub is a service. Yes, but he created the protocol, the file format, the tools for manipulating Git repositories. Yes, when when and he created like Git, he has, he, he has he, two he, magnum opuses. Is that how you say it? Yes, it could be. When, when he created Git in an interview, he said, well, you know, they asked, well, why did you call it Git? And he said, well, I already have a long history of naming my software after myself. <laughs> Wait, are we supposed to understand that joke? I missed something here. <laughs> the, the first, his name is Linus. And the first thing that he created was a Unix clone called Linux. So he would name that after himself. Yes. And then he created one called Git and decided that 
You know, the joke is not funny if you have to explain it. There was somebody in the troll room. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the troll room will be all over that. But as we wait for the explanation of the joke that fell short, obviously, because I'm I'm not into the Linux. I missed something, I'm sure. But we do have some experts out there to thank. And we'll do that now. The first is Sir Quiston, who I know came in on no agenda yesterday as well. His uh, came in with 50 bucks. And the note said, enjoying the show as usual. So I don't know if he's really enjoying the show or if he normally hates the show. And he's just saying, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. As usual. However, we, we haven't changed his opinion about it. That's what we know. That's true. We know that we are stable. So that's good. We know we're on a very level the playing only field. Thing stable about this show. <laughs> that's the only thing stable about the show. No question about it. So we appreciate that. And then we had gummy nerds coming in. With an with his note uh, that said, "Thanks for the entertaining and energizing rants, love and light." So I'm I'm thinking he's liking you because he want he likes the rants. No, that's that's totally directed at Progo. Is it? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Progo's ranted hard enough. We haven't heard I a don't blood know vessel. If I've ever burst. been entertaining and I energizing. Those rant. See, that's you should have a rant ready. The next time we have Jan, just have a rant ready to go because we really do need to do another episode and just start getting into this replacing google and the cloud and earl walkman was totally right we should kind of maybe break this down into smaller segments and that way we can hit it and not just totally overload everybody but you know start giving ideas uh, on are, and, uh, wasn't wasn't the first idea that i came up with a couple of days ago in the back channel was uh you know it, you you said something about random thoughts was going to hit a hundred before grumpy old Ben's. And right. I said, you're assuming we're not going to go to daily grumpy old Ben's. Right. I mean, if you're really grumpy, you can, it's, it's going to less than two weeks. Let's see to get to a hundred for random thoughts. Cause I'm at 98. We're at 88 for this. So before next Wednesday, we would have to do uh, 12 more shows. So I think that's more than <laughs> one a day. But I, I, are, are you doubting our ability to bloviate into a, microphone no i'm not and i'm also not going to ignore the fact that harry hamster comes in with a little bit of a thanks via the form of paypal every show it seems and he came in with two of this show so they're always little they come in and they just sneak in like a little hamster just really quietly in then really quietly sneaks out leaves a little bit of a nugget for us and we appreciate that the most can be like that yeah the most consistent expert that we have in the grumpy old ben's stable and uh he's a hamster not a rat so he's much more i guess more housebroken right i mean rats are rats are what you have there in new york i hear they're running free now is that true in your area progo uh fortunately in jersey city across the river i have not seen any rats on the street well that's a plus um, you definitely you see them in the train inside of the train tracks what what, what about in, modern in formats Sorry, go ahead. what was that? <laughs> oh, I was wondering if if you had any mob informants you've seen on the street. No, he's assuming you basically live. But also, I'm I'm not allowed to interact with in anyone. Jersey. Like I can't right. just go to a bar and hang out and talk to people I don't know. I mean, is it just well, like being here in, in the Jersey? Sopranos? That might be a benefit. Yeah, is this not like an episode of The Sopranos? I could be wrong, but I don't think it's like that in reality. I don't think you just walk out on the street and be like, "Hey, there's uh, Harry Big Balls" or whatever you call him. I don't know. I don't live in Jersey. One of the memes that I saw. Your generic mod mod name is Harry Big Balls. (laughs) I just came up with that. I've never heard that before. I'm sure. I'm sure there was a combination of Harry Hamster 
And, you know, the, the, I totally made the mistake when putting on No Agenda Social yesterday. I meant to say that it's a lot of fun to break Ryan's balls. And I accidentally put to break Ryan's ball. And then I had to respond to that saying, OK, that wasn't a slight. And I wasn't breaking any news. As far as I know, he still has both. Again, Darren, <laughs> if you have to explain it, it doesn't it, you're not making it any better by trying to explain it. But sometimes explaining it makes it worse in such an entertaining way. But we have plenty of more that we can cover with Brogo because he is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Out of, out of all of us, he is the only uh, working dude named Ben. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah. I, <laughs> is, is anybody really working? I mean, we're all home these days. Yeah, that's true. We're all at work. We're all coming out of the house. That way we don't get to see Harry Big Balls, Blue Douche. That's right. That's our new. Maybe it should be a character on the show. Ask Harry Big uh, Balls. Not, no, maybe on the post show. <laughs> I did see a meme that I really liked on, on No Agenda Social the other day. It said, uh, society has progressed beyond the need for New Jersey. Wow. <laughs> I think I saw that, too. And you're, you're, you're living in Jersey, but you don't disagree with that? I I, I don't know. I I. I I, I think it's funny that New York has always been hating on New Jersey. I, I don't quite understand it. New Jersey is pretty regular. Like, um, it, it, the, the, the coastal part of New Jersey, especially up north, is really polluted well, and getting better like every other coastal city. But um, other than being polluted, like, what's it, you know, New Jersey is no better or worse than any other state. All the girls aren't like I, I, snooky. If I may give you a perspective on basically everywhere in the world that isn't New York, we don't care that much about Jersey and we hate on New York. So I think you're okay. Yeah, Jersey's okay. cool. I mean, it's the home of Frank Albertson, not Francis Albert Sinatra. I mean, right there, Jersey got a place in my heart. They did something good. But what can people be looking forward that's to? Still, so, still something I hold against them. Yeah, I know. For the what for people want to find more about Progo. I mean, we know you got you do all this Gitmo list stuff. Uh, if people want more Progo action, where can they go? Um, well, you can go to smallcomputer.us, smallcomputer.us, and uh, that's basically like my landing page because that domain is easier to say on the radio than my actual domain, which is glump.net, which is linked from smallcomputer.us. If you go to glump.net, you will see a blog that only ever gets any activity when. I do a presentation and I've got to throw some notes up so that I know what the hell I'm saying during the presentation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else in the last 15 years who created a blog and then does not actually blog. Uh, and from somewhere in there, there's a contact page that will point to my no agenda social uh, profile. And if you want to say me, you want to watch me see all, say all kinds of inappropriate and offensive <laughs> things, you can follow me on no agenda social. Uh, link from my contact page and and who doesn't want that i know that sounds highly recommended and my wife said she was going to blog like 20 years ago which is why i had the domain random thoughts r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com sitting around for like 18 years not being used but now so, it is are, are you admitting to having called your wife dumb for 18 years no i said she had that was the domain she wanted random thoughts.com but never used it I mean, I think she actually used it for like two days, you know, when you set up the blog and then you like did it right. for a day and it was exciting. Then you did it for a second yeah. day and it was exciting. And then you went, this seems like work. Why the hell do I want to do this? I, I created a personal blog back in maybe 2012 and it still has the welcome to WordPress as the, <laughs> just, as the first post. Yeah, no. And 
I, a thing that I should plug that I'm actually working on now in No Agenda Nation. Um, you all should know that Rhino the Bearded has his uh, Friday night music show that's uh, really cool to listen to. The double and it's always great to yeah. hang out in the chat room. Um, that- Amsterdam Mac is working with some other people who I don't know who they are to spruce up Rhino the Bearded's website. That's uh, rynothebearded.com or rynocc. They're sprucing it up. They're trying to make the podcast more accessible so that you can actually find it. I think it's like currently being rejected episode by episode in, in Apple because there's something wrong with the feed. They're, they want to fix all that. And my part in all of this is uh, I'm finally rebuilding Pint Size, the voting bot that you, you go oh into the gosh. chat room and you say, I like the song that's playing. That's what that my program does you've that. Been, Pint Size. You've been threatening and, to do uh, that I'm, since 2015. Yeah, I, I created that. When when I created Pine Size, the IRC bot, I used a IRC framework for PHP language, which was already dead. That when I imported that project into my project, the framework was already dead, and uh, it has problems and it, it crashes. It, it's tied. I, I tied it to WordPress, which is like the dumbest programming idea I've ever done. Um, so I'm rebuilding that. And I'm using a new IRC framework for PHP, which is also dead as of six months ago. <laughs> Wait, so, well, you've you got to keep up. The next time you talk to me, you can, you can ask me what it's like to be the, the actual public owner of a project that I didn't really want to inherit. <laughs> hey, it happens to everybody I, at one time or another. You, you know what? I, I'll, I'll go fork that just for you and then start sending you. I'll start sending you bug reports, not PRs, just bug reports. And they won't be real bugs, but no. it doesn't really make a difference to Sir Pemrose. He just wants to give you more work. Or the appearance of more work. It'll look like you're doing a good job that way. But we'd like to thank you for hanging out with us here on Grumpy Old Ben's program. You are always welcome because you are definitely a dude named Ben of the highest caliber. Even if you don't like taking a compliment, it seems to be true. I mean, until somebody can prove otherwise, we're going to believe you know what you're talking about. And I, I do enjoy being on the show. I appreciate all the love from the audience while I was talking. I love the sirens that are going by when I try to say things. <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, we only you heard know, they, it at the at the start. Yeah, they yeah, they, they were timing it. It's not right outside. I think they were timing it to to try to be right in front of your window as you were talking. They'd like wait for you to key up. He's got some neighbors know. just looking in the I'm window, hypothesizing. Could be. You never yeah, know. I it's Jersey. Do Don't be a snitch. Don't be a snitch, Brogo. I'll come get you, Harry Big Balls. He's gonna find you, man, and you'll <laughs> swim with the fishes. <laughs> with that. I'd like to thank I everybody. CSB could make us a Harry Big Balls picture. <laughs> sure. Or uh, Mike Riley. There could be some, there could be multiple Harry Big Balls interpretations out there. Even Nick the Rat could do that. I mean, come on. He's an artiste. He knows oh, yeah, his Nick stuff. The Rat. Good job. You could do us all a favor and keep those to yourself, though. <laughs> yeah. We, well, see, we don't actually want real photos of Harry Big Balls. We want somebody to draw a character that is a human kind of person mobster from jersey but just saying with all that said thanks to everybody in the troll room for coming along live as we do these things again no agenda stream.com at noon eastern mondays and fridays and thanks to everybody who's listening via the magic of the rss feed that the podfather adam curry created until next time i'm darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of Chirac, where we don't have master bedrooms anymore but we still have a few slave rooms. And from America's left coast, where email is the new bacon, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Email is the new bacon, but bacon is tasty and email is not. I think 
you are You're, lying. You set up your server wrong. <laughs> well, that I don't doubt. That I don't doubt. And I don't have the window open to play the damn song to go out. So does, does the show ever end if I don't get the... Uh, <laughs> If I don't get you'd, the grump. You'd better find that modem noise or we're going to have to keep podcasting indefinitely. <laughs> okay, here it is. I finally found the right window. So many windows. So little time.